the jury. The prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Today is January 7th, 2016. We are coming to you live from our radio and television studios located in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. Uh, it's a little cold today, and it's been lately, so uh, don't like that change, but it is still a great place to live. We broadcast live each and every weekday, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Global Star Radio Network. We're also live visually on YouTube, as well as uh, you can get the stream on Blog Talk Radio. Um, I am the host tonight. My father and co-host is not going to be joining us tonight. He is still taking care of his wife. And uh, <clears throat> for all of you guys who sent emails of support and prayer, uh, we just can't thank you enough. And uh, to give you guys an update... <clears throat> Um, there's been no further tests or test results, but uh, Renee is feeling a lot better. The pain's gone, and uh, she seemed in a good mood today. So that is just awesome, especially when compared to what initially was thought. So thank you so much for your prayers. Uh, they really do make a difference. Tonight we have a fantastic show. Uh, great guest, Mr. Paul McGuire. His website is paulmcguire.us. And folks, bookmark that site. As the content, whether video or uh, articles, is increasing, <clears throat> not only in uh, substance, but in important information. And Paul, I'm just going to bring you right on, and uh, it's great to have you back. I want to um, say I like what you did with the YouTube channel and the release of the videos. Um, I, I've been paying attention to your videos, and... When at first glance, I uh, thought you traveled the world in in a week's time. Uh, <laughs> You're referring uh, to the one in Times Square, which which one? Yeah, you had uh, a video in Paris and in Times Square and uh, somewhere else. But um, I remember when you you were overseas doing those trips and shooting videos, uh, and, and you must have sh shot a couple extra and and kept them for uh, a time like this. Yeah, I did. Uh, uh, one of the interesting things is if they go to paulmcquire.us, there's a video, or the YouTube channel, there's a video. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I go to New York City because that's where I'm from uh, every so often or at least once a year or more. And uh, <clears throat> I usually stay in Times Square. Um, and uh, um, I guess it was a, two years ago, I was there, and I decided to do, you know, um, when I do like these uh, YouTube videos that I put up there for people, most of the time, <clears throat> I mean, sometimes I have people helping me, but most of the time, you know, it's like it's like uh, inspiration. You want to do something on the moment. And so, like, I don't have a whole lot of patience, so I, 
I just do it myself, okay? And and the risk is, it, it, you know, it's not always perfect studio quality professionalism, but if I had to wait for studio quality professionalism, I, I, w- I couldn't do anything because it's kind of like, you know, you, you, get, you get an idea and you just want to run with it. So two years ago, I shot myself in Times Square uh, speaking, or maybe it was three years ago, I don't know, uh, in Times Square with all the electronic billboards and stuff behind me. So I went back, I don't know, four months ago, I'm guessing. I went back around four months ago, and uh, I there, there's these tables, these red tables for the public in Times Square, and the place was buzzing, and some people were going to help me shoot, and they they just for somehow couldn't make it. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I have the the camera with me, and I have a tripod with me, and I'm just going to go for it. So I sat down on a on a they have these free chairs and like these little red tables, and people can see it. <clears throat> and I sat down and put the camera on a tripod. <clears throat> and began to just shoot myself talking about the American matrix and virtual reality, all that stuff. And it was quite, it was quite interesting because uh, uh, really nobody bothered me, which is, it's, it's very risky to do it there because people can do all kinds of crazy things. So I, I give a message on uh, the virtual reality and the American matrix. And then I stand up and I say, well, you know, hey, now I'm looking at the, the, the same view from a 180-degree different perspective. So I simply turn my, my table and chair around. In fact, I found a different chair and table, turned it completely around, <clears throat> and shot another message from the opposite direction so you can see different electronic billboards and stuff. And um, uh, I, I released the video, like uh, the two videos, like a month apart, and I realized that... <clears throat> Each video shows a different, uh, like one is from the west and one's from the east or whatever, two different angles, but at Times Square. And what was interesting was uh, the people walking by, you know, they walk by really quickly, and you're kind of nervous they're going to steal your camera. But they, they eavesdrop because they're curious, and they really wa- they really weren't sure whether, you know, was this a professional thing or was it just some guy, a tourist? They really weren't sure. Uh, but they were listening in, and then the w- one thing I'm going to add uh, up on the on the YouTube channel is there's there's this drum beat, this, this very powerful, interesting drum beat going on when I'm talking, <clears throat> and it turns out that uh, there was this guy who uh, was missing arms from birth. He was born without full arms, and he's playing his heart out on the drums. And uh, I just went over, I believe in this, you know, impromptu interviewing. I just walk over to people with the camera going, and I talk to them, and it turns out he believed in the Lord. And I'm going to add that to it, because it's very inspiring. Here's a guy playing his heart out with drums, but he only he, his arms are, like, non-existent. And yet he's able to play the drums. And I asked him how he could do that, and that's how I found out he was a Christian and stuff, and he was really honest. And I said to myself, you know what, I want to... Uh, let everybody see this video because it'll inspire them. It inspired me. I mean, you know, what his life said to me, we can't wait till things are perfect. And even though we may have, quote, handicaps, uh, if we're willing to, 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 do, to use whatever God's given us, uh, God, God will use us. And he was a living example. A humble guy, but, you know, it really, I think when people see it, it'll touch them. Absolutely, and um, as private investigators, we spent uh, a lot of time in New York City, and the people that you meet 
you just don't know. Uh, sometimes we oh, have right. our preconceived notions of, of people, and you know, you might think something's dangerous, or uh, and it turns out that you know they might be the most friendly. Uh, sometimes you want to go get a cup of coffee at a McDonald's and nobody speaks English. You just don't know what you're going to run into or who you're going to run into in New York City, but it is definitely uh, a very interesting place. Well, Joe, you're right. You know, I, I grew up there, and the thing about New York City is when you're talking about these people, these strangers in Manhattan, <clears throat> I mean, you really do not know whether you're, I'm not exaggerating, you don't know whether you're talking to a psychopath, a serial killer, a uh, terrorist or you know a decent mm -hmm. person and you can't most often you can't judge by external appearances so it's exciting but it's it's also uh kind of like a gamble um i i um i this may sound facetious but it's true when i i do uh, starting many years ago when i used to shoot and i'm going to start shooting again from the cliffs of malibu uh i would just go up there uh, maybe my wife would accompany me or a friend to do the camera work. And I, you can see all these messages um, on the YouTube, Paul McGuire YouTube channel. And I would get up there and I'd give these messages and commentary and prophecy or Bible teaching or whatever. And then you see the massive Pacific Ocean behind me. And it's really a spectacular view. But um, I, I just believe in praying and go, going for it and listening to the Holy Spirit. So when, I, when I'm in Manhattan or any place, whether I'm in Paris or Manhattan or Israel, uh, for example, I was in uh, Israel, the, the old city of Jerusalem, not that far from the Temple Mount. <clears throat> and you can see that on the YouTube also. And, um, you know, it's impromptu again. I, I didn't have anybody there with me. I was there to do a, a help, a, 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 well, it was God TV, not because they, they run a, weekly show that I do for them called Apocalypse in the End Times. They are at like ten times each week. and um, But I was there by myself uh, in the old city. And I just had, you know, I said I wanted to shoot myself with the Temple Mount behind me and kind of give a message. But I couldn't find, there was nobody to help me. And so I, I held the camera out and that looked kind of awkward. So finally I just look at the crowd. I kind of like pray and if I feel drawn by the Holy Spirit to, to, to contact somebody, I will, and so often, um, supernaturally, the person that I'll reach out, and I'll just turn the give them the camera and say, would you do me a favor and just shoot me for like five, ten minutes or whatever, I want to put this up on YouTube, which is very risky because I don't know this person mm -hmm. from a hole in the ground. Well, I pick this guy out of the crowd. turns out he's a Christian minister, which, was, which, which this kind of thing happens to me all the time. And then the next thing I know, this lady walks over who, who uh, from Florida who... who instantly recognize me because she sees me on YouTube all the time and that kind of thing happens uh, constantly or I went up to this uh, uh, some people would call him a bum or a street person but not really but they were standing outside Grand Central Station it was an African American gentleman and he was playing like the blues or something and I just had a hunch you know I was going to I said look can you shoot me I would like to talk with you playing and of course, I offered to tip him and stuff. And it turns out that this kind of like hardened guy who looked like a blues player, you know, who had seen the, the toughest parts of life, it turns out mm -hmm. behind that hard exterior, here's a born-again Christian. He loves the Lord with all his heart, and that every Sunday he plays at his church. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened, just going out and being led by God. It's just amazing. 
uh, I've heard pastors and, and other guests say it, uh, that the Lord chooses better friends for you than you can ever choose for yourself. And uh, that, that is true. <laughs> that is very true. And even in my own experiences, uh, just going to different cities for uh, family weddings and whatnot, uh, I've had experiences where a person in a hotel room next to me uh, somehow ends up in a conversation with me, and they uh, are also born again uh, and have an extremely deep knowledge of Scripture. And that's just rare today, sadly, in Christian communities. But it's even uh, more outstandingly rare when... It's just a random stranger in a in a random city, but that's the Lord's and how He works, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, you're right. It, it, it's the Lord and how, and how He works, and it is a beautiful thing. And you've probably noticed this, Joe. A lot of times, the, you can't judge the exterior. I mean, a person can look rough and tough, and it doesn't it doesn't really matter, you know, how they're dressed or their race or whatever. Sometimes the people who who look like, you know, they would never know God. They would never be a Christian. And then something causes you to talk to them, and it turns out that they love the Lord. And like you said, you meet them everywhere. And I, I think the Lord is behind it. I think, in, in fact, I think He sends His angels to arrange those kinds of conversations. Absolutely, and uh, <clears throat> sometimes they can change lives. Uh, yeah, it yeah. just depends on on how um, open we are and. You know, because sometimes we can get in our own head and be in a bad mood, and yes. you know, not want to be bothered. But uh, the, sometimes the person that you know we feel is bothering us ends up saying something, or uh, in some way changing the way you think or or act just by uh, their story or their kindness. And to walk around with your head down, and uh, whether for whatever reason, whether you know depression, sadness, worry, it just takes away from all the possibilities that the Lord puts out there for you. And um, who knows how many, you know, situations like that I've missed because I've had my fair share of days walking around uh, with a chip on my shoulder, but, um, you know, we learn from our mistakes. Well, yeah, and Joe, it, you know, what you're saying is so true. I mean, it's, it's really true, and I think it applies to probably most of the people listening to your program, and I know it applies to me. Sometimes, you know, I'll be in a bad mood or whatever it is, and, and you know, because of my own attitude or whatever, I can miss um, uh, a blessing that God has for me in terms of meeting somebody or interacting. Or sometimes, you know, I'll be in a bad, especially when you travel like I do, I'll be in a bad mood because somebody lost my luggage or something, you know, and I'm irritated, and I'm tempted to to you know be a little bit rude to somebody. And thankfully, I can't say I'm 100% perfect because I'm certainly not. But thankfully, a lot of times the Lord will convict me just before I'm ready to like boil over. And then, as it turns out, talking to the person, uh, they're a born again Christian, and the ice melts, and they're really like almost angels sent to help me. And then I, I, I'm so humbled privately because I say, thank God I behaved myself and was gracious because, you know, if I had been rude, I would have never found out that this person loved the Lord and they were they're actually there to help me. Uh, yeah, absolutely correct. And, and um, 
the Lord will intervene or or send somebody to intervene. The scriptures say, you never know. Uh, beware, because you never know when you are in the presence or entertaining angels. And I'm paraphrasing. I don't have the scripture in front of me. Uh, and you just and that's so true. You just don't know who he's going to put in your life and who they really are. And and I've heard stories from so many people um, in uh, the worst days of their life, or you know, in life-changing moments where a random stranger, yeah. uh, almost out of nowhere, comes and and says something that speaks directly to their life and to their way of uh, worship. And those stories, I mean, I love listening to testimonies, but when you have uh, a non-believer, an avid non-believer, changed in a in a instant just because of a seemingly random uh, run-in yeah. with a stranger. Yeah. And, and, and when you say... It's proof, to me at least, of uh, the Lord working. Yeah, you're so right. And, and when you use that <clears throat> scripture verses, you know... Um, I'm paraphrasing it too that you're, you're supposed to be aware and be careful because you never know uh, that the person you're talking to or how you're treating them that that they very well may be an angel. And in, in case people think that's you know like really far out there, I know for there's, I don't know all the time. Okay, but but there's been some times in my life, I mean, a lot of times, where some really, uh, they look ordinary, and they're, they're not nutty by any means, but there's just something about them or how they physically got to be there or something they say that's like a tip-off. And I'm, and I'm telling you, I am like 100% co- convinced that they're an angel. And, and I, you know, bend over backwards to treat them right. I mean, I'm supposed to treat everybody right. And I remember one, this guy wanders into this conference. I was speaking in North Dakota a couple of years ago. From the freezing cold, he's an older guy. He gets there late. We listen to his story. There's no way he could have driven the distance he said he drove in, in, in the snow blizzard that was happening. And the whole time I'm saying to myself, this guy's an angel. And, you know, so we, we offered him something to eat and stuff. And then when I got together with one of the guys that was hosting the conference, he said the same thing to me. We were both thinking the same thing. He said, I, th- I think that guy's an angel. I said, I, I do too. And that's happened a lot uh, because, you know, um, I think one of the reasons the Lord is having you and I talk about this right now uh, at the beginning of the show is that our conversation is uh, illustrating the reality of the fact that as God's people uh, not only does God surround us with guardian angels or warrior angels, but God sends angels to his people all the time. It's just we're not aware of it. And and people need to know that that's biblical. I mean, God's people are surrounded with angels, and angels are coming and going in our lives all the time, even though we can't necessarily see them. I had two quick uh, things happen in my life, actually in my wife's life, but they've happened in mine. I'm thinking of my wife for a moment. Uh, I, I forgot how many years ago it was. It was at least 10, maybe 12, 15 years ago. I was on the radio doing a national radio show uh, from Southern California, and I got a call. I was in the studio. It was a daily three-hour show. Uh, and I got a call, a call from one of the staff in the studio that my wife had called. She was in the emergency room, and uh, <clears throat> that the SUV, it was a Jeep, you know, SUV, uh, and it flipped over, and she got in an auto accident on this big freeway. And, uh, I mean, it was a 
bad accident, okay? So, I mean, <clears throat> I had to get off the air. I was in a state of shock, and then I drove as fast as I could to the hospital, which was about an hour and a half away, not knowing what to expect, okay? Well, when I get there, uh, my wife and kids are, you know, they're, they're banged up uh, and, and, you know, and stuff, but they're all okay, and I'm so thankful for that. But my wife tells me that after the SUV, and there was a Jeep SUV, and I don't know if Jeep has fixed the problem, but uh, they may have now, but, but a couple of years ago, they knew, they knew, well, I don't want to get into legal trouble. Anyway, it, the, the Jeep flipped over, and it shouldn't have. Yeah. And my my wife couldn't get out of the car, and and uh, she was trapped in it. Even though the kids got out, my head, my one kid's head went through the windshield. He should have died. Uh, and uh, she told me that um, these two angels, a man and a woman, came over, and she said they're angels. And she described what they look like, and they got her out of the car, and uh, uh, then they couldn't find them. They disappeared. But they told her some things about the accident, which really protected us legally. Uh, there's no way my wife could have known it, but the angels, I, I'm convinced they were angels, uh, gave her some information that was essential. And not only that, they, they had like this superhuman strength. They rescued her out of the car. That was one thing that happened with angels. Then another thing that happened with angels and my wife, and this was when we first came to L.A. Uh, many years ago, and uh, um, to be in the uh, film business. She was an actress at the time, and I was an independent feature film producer. And she had me park on Santa Monica Boulevard because she wanted to run across the street and then give her agent a resume. Well, there was a big car parked in front of us, so as she ran, and Santa Monica Boulevard, they're just flying down, and it's packed. She didn't look because there was a blind spot from this big truck and so in her in her in her haste to to run across the street she starts running the street now the, the, that big truck is blocking my view so i assume my wife has made it across the street but then i hear this loud loud deafening screech and this crunch which is huge and i didn't think anything of it okay and then all these people started to gather around you know like 100 people and they had this looks of horror on their face and they you know, were pointing to what appeared to be an accident. So then all of a sudden it hit me, this could, this could possibly be my wife. So I get out there, and I find out that this Cadillac, this is one of these big old, big Cadillacs from a number of years ago, hit her at about 60 miles an hour in the kneecap as she was running across the street. And she bounced over the um, um, uh, the hood of the car, rolled up the glass where, you know, the, the driver can see out the window, and then rolled over the top and onto the street. And when I get across the street, uh, and then, of course, that Cadillac takes off at high speed. When I get across the street, she's running around euphorically saying, the, the angel, praise God, praise God, the angels have, you know, the angels were saved me, the angels have saved me. And, and then a cop starts to pull up to do a report, and I go up to my wife and grab her by the arm, and I said, I said, you know, you really need to shut up about these angels, man. You're going to be interviewed <laughs> by a police officer. He's going to think you're nuts. So she keeps raving about the angels while the cop's doing the report. Um, and then I tell her to, to, to kind of calm down with the angels. And the ironic thing is, is the cop turns to me and tells me to shut up. 
and he he wanted That's to hear funny. her talk about the angels. But the point was, she should have been crippled. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. the angels rescued her, and that's just uh, such a miracle. And uh, and I gotta say, you sharing that, Paul, is actually the, reminded me of, of something that happened uh, with me and my father when we were working, leaving New York City, he- heading up to the uh, Adirondacks, going through Lake George is, is about where this happened, and um, <clears throat> it was a, a turning point in our in my life at least, as we were driving from uh, East Hampton, Long Island, all day up through uh, Lake, to Lake George, we uh, hit a bunch of rain. It was in the fall, and we had a SUV, I think a trailblazer. And we're on 87, and I'm in the middle lane of a three-lane highway. It's about 6.30, getting dark, real slippery roads just because of the leaves and the rain. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the back end kicks out, and we start spinning. Hmm. Now, I never had been in a car accident in my life, and uh, with my dad in the in the passenger seat. Now, you got to understand that uh, when things go wrong like that, my dad's not the calmest person. Mm-hmm. Um, but the funny thing about it was, and the amazing thing about it was, I remember it happening like it was in slow motion, hmm. and I had a feeling of peace. But with that feeling of peace came an understanding that there was uh, a hand of protection over me, hmm. whether from, from an angel in the car or just the Lord watching over. I never felt like we were going to die, even though we uh, ended up spinning out and going a hundred, couple hundred feet in the woods <clears throat> and crashing between two trees, hmm. totaling the car. Neither of us had a scratch on us. But I, it was just a very calm experience and my dad always says you know you were not in the same car I was Hmm. and um, you know looking back on that when the cop came he said I expected to find two people dead and Hmm. very easily could have happened but uh, that was a a turning point when we moved uh, away from traveling long distances to do the investigations and uh, you know thinking back on it now I wonder how much of um, the decisions because of that accident led us or allowed us to do or start the show. And yeah. um, it's just, um, you know, uh, it's just amazing. You know, things like that, People, it happens to people every day and it changes their life. Or, um, you know, you get the, the tragedy sometimes too. But yeah. those also work to, in, the, in their own way, to help people. That's right. That's right. We, we just it mean, it don't always, understand right. the, the, how the Lord works always, but it is, uh, He knows what He's doing, and we need to trust in Him more, and <clears throat> that's a, a issue with me that has always been, you know, is the trust, um, how do we know, you know, that we're actually walking out the trust, rather than just saying we're doing it, or asking the Lord to uh, get us there. Because too often we want to take control of the wheel, you know, instead right. of giving it to him. Well, you're you're so right, and and it's interesting that we're talking about this, and I, I believe it's going to fit into the other stuff we talk about. I, I've had a number of experiences too, as I'm sure your uh, listeners, as they recall, I'm sure there's you know countless thousands of your listeners that, as they're listening to us talk, they're flashing back to to. Uh, 
crisis situations or strange situations in their life where they they probably believe also you know an angel was there to help them and um because if each one of us was to really replay our lives there's probably uh many 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 times we've experienced angelic uh intervention um and your listeners probably have their own experiences but i remember uh a couple of incidences too driving when i should have been killed uh i mean just i should have been mm-hmm. slaughtered on the freeway with one with my young son when he was just born and other things in a rainstorm here in california and one when i was drunk out of my mind before i got saved partying with my friend uh either in college or high school and I was drunk out of my mind. This is a long time ago, and he was drunk out of his mind. And and uh, um, I'm somewhat nearsighted, and um, I, I guess I should have been wearing glasses in the car. He was driving, but I, normally I couldn't see, you know, uh, uh, what a car was doing really clearly in a really far distance. Well, he's so drunk and driving so fast, he doesn't realize he's hanging over into the opposite lane of oncoming traffic and the other guy must have been drunk because he was in the wrong lane and all of a sudden it was like my eyes could see what I normally couldn't see and I was so intoxicated that this wasn't me I reached over and yanked his steering wheel and I prevented a head-on collision now that wasn't me that was some kind of angel uh, uh, protecting me and with the car things too I had the same experience uh like you did two times a number of times everything goes into slow motion you know you think you're going to die and everything is in slow motion you have this incredible sense of peace and for whatever reason it you know you've been protected by god but but you have that time just is in slow motion just exactly like you said it's just in slow motion yeah isn't that strange how that happens i mean i can't yeah. even explain it in words and you, when you first started telling that story, it brought back that memory, and uh, I needed to remember that today. That was uh, something that I'll never forget. The first thing that happened after we uh, landed in the woods, mm-hmm. I remember calling my mom and saying, "Mom, this was a miracle," and she had no wow. idea what I was talking about. You know? Wow. But uh, I mean, I was. It was that quick, and, and you just know. I mean, you just know because the Lord makes it clear to you at least yes uh, my Had dad not dead. so much right he, he didn't like he says he was not <clears throat> in the same car as i was apparently yeah right well but, uh, i think i don't think it's an accident that we somehow ended up talking about this in the beginning of the program because what started out as a casual conversation we got into this intense uh conversation about angels in the lives of believers and I think, yeah. um, especially in light of uh, 2016 and the uh, just absolutely intense stuff that's coming, I think, you know, sometimes I feel like people think, well, you know, he says this every year. Well, I, every year I may say it, but this year, I believe 2016, we're approaching uh, perhaps some of the most intense times and challenges we've ever faced as individuals in a nation. But I also feel yeah. uh, that there's going to be the most intense times of opportunity and blessing uh, for God's people who are seeking his face and walking with him. So to use that old expression that uh, a writer came up with uh, 
uh, you know, many, many over a century ago, I forgot his name. Uh, the, you know, these are the best of times and the worst of times simultaneously. So 2016 is going to bring some really, really heavy-duty stuff. And 2016, though, for God's people who are walking with him, is going to be a time of incredible opportunity and blessing. But um, I think in our conversation, we kind of laid the groundwork uh, for it, which is this. If you're walking with the Lord uh, or even love the Lord, sometimes the Lord will just do it for you because He, he he's gracious. But you, you can certainly cause an, an increase of these ki- kinds of supernatural protection to happen if you're walking with the Lord and you're seeking the Lord. Um, God's people can expect, uh, as they go into 2016 or any time in their lives, um, they can expect God's supernatural intervention into their life, God's deliverance, God's supply, God's wisdom, God's guidance. And I, I know the Bible teaches that, you know, when we as believers choose to walk with the Lord and seek his face, uh, we, we live in the secret place of the Most High. We live under the shadow of the Almighty. And I literally believe that in addition to the guardian angels he gives every believer, I believe he sends uh, large numbers of angels into the lives of every believer and their family if they will walk with him. And so as we approach 2016, it's important for people to understand that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, you have a supernatural protection if you'll walk in it. And some of that supernatural protection involves uh, the reality of God assigning angels and dispatching angels uh, into your life, into the lives of your children, into the lives of the people you pray for, uh, that will perform miracles, that will open doors, shut doors, protect you, and do all kinds of things. And whether or not we can see these angels with the physical eye uh, is not important. The reality is they exist. So, you know, I'm not trying to worship angels, but I'm saying that when you're walking with the Lord, the world and the world system may be filled with fear about what's coming with in 2016, but God's people should know that, you know, if, if he loves us so much to, to send angels in the various situations you experienced and I experienced and countless numbers of your listeners have experienced, uh, we can expect God's supernatural protection, including angels, to move with us in 2016. And the more we pray and the more we seek God's face, uh, the more we can expect to see what I call supernatural and miraculous divine guidance, protection, and all kinds of things. And so that means we're not in this ball game alone. And I'm sure you would agree with me, Joe. The fact oh, that, that we know we're not going into 2016 alone should be a huge comfort to all of us. No, you're you're right. And when when you're explaining that, you made me think of um, when you have the flu, a bad flu. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, when you're sitting there mugging the toilet bowl, you're thinking of how when you're feeling okay, you don't ever think about uh, how you feel or you know you wish yeah. you felt good. But when you're real sick, that's all you think about. Oh, I would give anything to feel normal for five seconds. Right. Right. Um, and it's going to be like that. And, you know, as we progress through this kingdom of darkness that is um, not only here, but it is becoming overt 
and we're going to see the changes in the uh, from the technological aspect to the uh, actual worshiping of uh, dark entities right. and their and their demand for that. And you either do that and be part of society, or you will be in the wilderness like the Israelites were as they left Egypt. Right. And we're going to look back <clears throat> if, when we're in those times and wish for a day like we look at today as chaotic with the news and all the terrible things that go on. You know, and we sit here and go, man, uh, all this stuff is so awful. It's just getting worse and worse. But when things are really, really bad, we're going to wish for a day like today. That's right. Um, and, and it's uh, just the way it is. It's our human nature. So always be grateful for, for what you have because it can always get worse. That's true, and that's a biblical principle too. You know, um, one of the ways God expects us to worship him, and he says it repeatedly throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, is the giving of thanks, you know, praising him and the giving of thanks, and uh, uh, and offering him the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. So when we come before the Lord, we whether we feel like it or not, we 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 thank him. We we, we make an effort to think about gee, the, the, what we do have, and we thank him for it. And I don't, you know, I didn't quite understand that when I first read it in the Bible. And I don't think it's all about God has some tremendous need to be thanked by his people. I think God wants us to do that but because when we make uh, the decision with our will to thank him and focus in, on him, uh, the, the mere act of doing that kind of brings us into a oneness with him. And the Lord knows that by thanking him, that we ourselves are reminded of his goodness. You know, I don't think he's got this giant ego where he has to be thanked. I think he, in his love for us, it, when we thank him, it helps us to, it helps to remind us of his goodness. Absolutely. Uh, you know, a lot of times when I leave the studio here, I'll be alone in, in my car on the way home, and uh, that's the time I like to, to pray because... It's after a show, and you kind of sit back and digest intellectually what was said and uh, see if you could have done anything different. And, um, you know, you, I would start the, the prayer and, hey, Lord, what can I do? Or can you, uh, you know, put more uh, of a spirit of uh, discernment in me so I, you know, I can do this and that. And then you, I start to go into what can I do to make things. Um, easier for the audience or so that I can help the audience understand what I'm thinking and then you know uh, pops in my mind that there's nothing I can do for the Lord you know what what can I offer him except mm -hmm. um, just my myself um, there's nothing I can do to make it better for him he doesn't need that he does <clears throat> he is the one that you know sets the the uh, beginning from the end we have to fall in line with what his will is and there's nothing that we can do that will change his will or um except being obedient to him i mean right. there really isn't so right just being the the willing vessel is is the uh is the start as the bible says the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom <clears throat> I mean, and many people overlook that but how many people truly fear the lord in the sense that they, in the same way that they fear natural things, whether right. uh, terrorism or uh, gun violence or natural disasters, and we have to uh, 
really take a look at ourselves and and ask these questions because sometimes you might find yourself like me thinking you're doing something the proper way or uh, and realizing you got it all wrong and it's uh it's just a, a wonderful thing the way the Lord works to to correct those things and if you're like me also you will learn the hard way uh, and then you get <laughs> sick of learning the hard way right so you start looking for easier ways or uh ways that you don't have to do the the rock bottom and then understand you know <clears throat> well you're right and so when when we think about um all that's on the horizon for 2016 that we know about never mind all the stuff that's on the horizon for 2016 that we don't know about yet and we think about this global economic problem which which looks very nasty you know um, when we think about the, the terrorism uh, in Europe and the United States, when we think about these refugees coming into America and Europe that are uh, terrorists, that are currently raping women like crazy in Germany and Europe, uh, the terrorists that were caught on the border recently coming in through Mexico from uh, Afghanistan and another Islamic Muslim nation, they were terrorists. So they're letting terrorists in the borders here and in Europe and then the, 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 the societal breakdown, uh, the, the, the lying of the media. I have never seen the media uh, enter the mode of, of, I mean, I just just like being total prostitutes, lying constantly by either omitting uh, the truth, not disclosing the full truth about something, not covering everything, or just flat out lying. Um, it's that's that's the you know that's the yeah. norm now in the media. And, and if you think about that, the number of people who are in, we'll just say the organization of Fox News. Mm-hmm. Um, you have you know every hour a different show, different people involved in the show. Right. Have, and you know they've been doing this for years with the number of personnel changes on a daily basis. Right. Everybody is not. Um, uh, you, they're, you're, they're told, you know, this is where the line is. This is what That's you right. can say, and you don't right. go past it. <clears throat> and right. sadly, people like that job security more than the truth. Right. So they That's fall right. in line. That's right. They, they, they yeah. They, they. It's scary to watch the sheer volume of people in the media. Um, um, obviously, they, you know are saying what they're saying, the way they're saying it, because of money, and they've sold out, and they know they've sold out. But but they, they're so happy with, with the perks that come with being sold out that they'll lie continually. And so I was thinking about <clears throat> um, the conversation that we had on your show today, and this is a subtle thing, but it's all-powerful. The very fact that you and I talked for at least 40 minutes in this program about the reality of God's existence, about the reality of God's power, about the reality of God's angels, and about the reality of our relationship with God, that, that is a very powerful discussion. <clears throat> and, and the very fact that that kind of discussion is not allowed on any of the networks or in any of the movies or in any of the 
you know, so-called big-time radio shows. That is a glaring contradiction. The problem is people are used to it. They're so used to, to being bathed in an atmosphere where God is not even mentioned as a reality. And we just spent 45 minutes talking about the reality of God. The Holy Spirit is obviously moving in our midst because we're doing that. That's the difference between uh, a radio program like Hagman and Hagman, which is shining the light of Jesus Christ, and these uh, giant secular networks, even the so-called conservative ones, which it's not so much what you say, or it's more of what you don't say. So when you choose to censor and omit and not allow uh, uh, discussions about God, you're basically saying God doesn't li- uh, God doesn't exist. It's not a neutral act. It's an aggressive act. You're 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 saying nor- normal reality doesn't have God's existence. So the very fact that we're talking about God in real terms and reality. Uh, is very very powerful, and and the light there's light. See, there's it's not because of you and me. You, you know that, and I know that. But the because we're sharing the life of the Holy Spirit, and we're sharing the, the life of God's goodness in our conversation. There are hundreds of thousands of people that are tuning in to this program, uh, either live or on your various uh, other means of uh, downloading it, etc. And part of the reason they're listening to it is because they, um, when they hear people like us talk about the reality of God, they can sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. And just by listening to people who are sane talk about the reality of God, it feeds them, it strengthens them, it gives them hope, and it enables them to experience the presence of God. Whereas if they turned on some of the channels that you talked about it's i don't care how conservative they are okay and i don't care how much they may reference god in an abstract manner nobody is being fed you don't experience the, the the god's presence listening to those programs so this program uh and the number of people it reaches is i'm thankful and i know you are and your father are thankful too we're thankful that this program uh, not only communicates information and uh, uh, news stories that uh, the other media censors, but the very fact that we're talking about the life of God, people are are being uh, touched by that presence. They're being ministered to by that reality because when you're saturated in a, in a, in a constant barrage of conversation that either censors God, omits God, does not allow God, or outright attacks God and his values, it's very wearing, you know, to to be constantly bombarded with messages that are against God or deny God. So this is a powerful thing that's happening, and I'm thankful for it. And you're absolutely right, and to see not only the, uh, the abandoning of God, but the promoting of uh, satanic and uh, yep. other evil type of worship being promoted where the Ten Commandments are no longer allowed to stand. There stands a Baphomet statue where the city is organizing uh, worship services. But don't put that nativity scene there because that's offensive. Right. Um, it's just so backwards. Uh, some days I just wonder how, you know, this nation has not been destroyed yet, but it's by the grace of God. By the grace of God, and 
and and and the you know the point is is that if all the people who claim to love God and if all the people who claim to be seeking God's face and if all the people who claim to be praying God and who praying to God and uh, all the people who claim to be reading his word you know it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if you're praying reading God's word etc the holy spirit's inside of you now if the holy spirit's inside of you really inside of you uh then when you see these satanic statues that are being erected and these black masses that are increasing across the United States the holy spirit in you would deeply gr- be grieved and you would feel compelled to do something about it uh in other words if you're a part of a church or a church group you 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 couldn't do anything but be compelled to to raise up a standard and at the very least demand that Christ and the Ten Commandments be put back in the public square uh, and that, that that the light of Christ and symbols of Christ and symbols of God would be put there if not asking to remove the the, the, the satanic ones but but the very fact that you have uh, uh, almost complete silence from uh, you know uh, 50 million, 75 million, 100 million so-called Christians, the very fact that they can be silent in the face of these monuments to Satan uh, is indicative of the fact that they don't have the Holy Spirit inside them, which is indicative of the fact that whatever church they're going to, the Holy Spirit has long ago left. And it's also indicative of the fact that they're not really praying to God and they're not reading the Word of God, uh, because if they were, the Holy Spirit would be inside them, and they could, you know, when the Holy Spirit's inside you, you're convicted, you're grieved. You just can't look at a uh, picture of Satan uh, touching the hand of a little boy and a little girl and welcoming them into the kingdom of hell. You, you just can't walk by. You're, you're compelled to do something. But the fact that so many Christians can do nothing is evidence that they're dead spiritually and they've walked away from the Lord, which is the root problem in America. You can call yourself a Christian, but if you if the Holy being a Christian means that the Holy Spirit lives inside you, and I know you have the Holy Spirit, I have the Holy Spirit, and countless numbers of your listeners have the Holy Spirit, and not one of us could walk by a satanic statue where Satan is reaching out on the head, putting his hands on the head of a little boy and a little girl. And, and, and feel oblivious about it. We would be compelled to do something. Uh, and that's a yeah. sign that we're alive in Christ. Uh, you're absolutely right. But, you know, the troubling thing is uh, it's not just the world, the secular world that uh, is so indifferent or uh, not caring. It, it, it's so often we see it in the churches, in the congregation of the churches, that right. people feel that the attendance of a church on Sunday uh, followed maybe by a family meal is mm-hmm. equivalent to a religious and personal re- relationship with the Lord that is sufficient enough for them to uh, not have to worry about anything. Uh, right. Their behavior. I mean, there's a there's been a um, infiltration of the churches and the teaching of the churches in a way that they have uh, rocked the the believers to sleep and yes. put out their fire for for the Lord. So, right. People aren't uh, and don't know what's in the scriptures, and at some point, the uh, government, the pastors, whoever, could actually change the message to the point where people wouldn't even notice. 
and it's done subtly at first and then uh, once that door is open and they get away with it it can be taken anywhere and that's the risk we run for not being diligent and that's exactly what's happening now I mean it doesn't always come in these radical changes you know it's like the old story of the frog slowly boiling to death in a pan of water or a pot of water these slow incremental changes you know inch by inch moving away from the Lord turning away from God's principles and his word and inch by inch you know changing God's word for humanism and new age it happens slowly and almost unnoticeably but it happens it's a change and it's subtle but the next thing you know you're going to wake up and that church is literally going to be openly worshiping openly worshiping a false Christ and nobody inside those churches should be surprised because it's already happening now it's just happening in subtle incremental changes but uh, subtle incremental changes over time produce radical changes and once a church or a Christian or a pastor has set the course uh, to turn away from God it's like the rudder of a boat the rudder can be uh, uh, changed just a small amount and it will change the entire outcome of whether that boat will end up let's say in uh, Alaska or uh, it will end up in South America subtle change in the rudder because as you extend the subtle, subtle change of a rudder over miles it, the, where it en- ends up going is radically different so there's a lot of people in all these churches that are subtly accepting and justifying in their hearts. So, well, it's okay to, to really not read the Word or only read parts of the Word and all other little compromises they're making. And also, the Lord has been tapping gently on their hearts for a long time, telling them it's time to get out of this church and find a church where the people really love God and really love His Word. But they're ignoring the Lord, who has repeatedly and gently come to them uh, they're going to find themselves in uh, eventually a fully what what Bible prophecy in the Bible calls an apostate church, where that church is actually worshiping uh, the powers of darkness. Now they may not call it the powers of darkness. They may have a they may even still call God Jesus, but they're not really oh, yeah. worshiping the Jesus of the Bible. Uh, and we're coming up against the top of the hour break, but just okay. as the scripture says, you know. Uh, don't be surprised or marvel not that Satan can masquerade as an angel of light. Right. And, you know, we see the, uh, as you said, subtlety is the key, which yes. makes people uh, wonder if there is a real evil out there because it's not so overt. But the changes subtly over long periods of time have gotten us where we are today. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on this Thursday, January 7, 2016. We are joined by Paul McGuire, his website, paulmcguire.us. We'll be back after these short messages. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to hour number two of the Hagman and Hagman Report. 
this Thursday, January 7, 2016, started talking and uh, didn't have my on button pressed for the mic, which can cause problems for listeners out there, especially if you like audio. But I want to uh, make an announcement first before we get back to our guest, Mr. Paul McGuire. <clears throat> Nuts.com. They have the best snacks, uh, dried fruits, nuts, a great variety of healthy, edible food that is uh, just delicious. If you like cashews, if you like pistachios, and then they go branching out from there. Yogurt pretzels, I believe, that my father hides and still haven't tried. They sell coffee. Uh, Eric has taken the almonds, and uh, every time we get a box in, um, everybody takes their little favorite thing and puts it in their corner of the house. Or how much they are enjoyed here. And we want you to have uh, that same <clears throat> snack ability, because we don't have to eat bad. We just have to take our time and find options out there that are not only affordable, but that tastes great and you can't go wrong with um, dried fruits and especially all the varieties of nuts at nuts.com now <clears throat> in order to get the special the microphone <laughs> I apologize my ears are falling out here I feel like the old man um, nuts.com you go to nuts.com microphone code HH go to nuts.com N-U-T-S dot com Microphone code HH to get your discount for um, the Hagman and Hagman report, and we recommend it uh, very highly. And I think was it four paws, four paws, four paws, and and one fist from Eric. No, not that's nuts dot com. Uh, they have uh, it's delicious. I would urge everybody to try it and send your feedback to us. Uh, we always like to hear what the listeners think of the products. And um, we love this one a lot, and we are happy to have them as a sponsor. Getting back to our guest, Mr. Paul McGuire. PaulMcGuire.us is his website. A prolific author, great speaker, just a fantastic mind, <clears throat> and always fun to have on the show, and very informative. Uh, Paul, where do you want to start this hour? There's a lot of current events that we see. Many are very important in a, in a way that... Uh, can change the geopolitical landscape, the economic uh, ability of nations, and the um, ever-growing concern of collapse, of power, of economies, <clears throat> and the chaos that would bring. Um, yeah. What do you see uh, for 2016 as the uh, biggest emerging threat? Yes. Um, 2016 concerns me more than... I think any other year that I can think of since I've been alive and involved in ministry and doing what I call prophetic analysis of, of future events. 2016, to me, at this point, is the most critical year uh, in uh, our history, um, without question, um, not only for the U.S., but for Europe and, and for the world itself, because this is a year of... Um, directions are going to be set, and once they're set, they're irreversible, or largely irreversible. So right now we have an economic, the 
I'm going to say potential, uh, the potential of an economic superstorm, uh, which if it happens, at the very least, it will be a repeat of what happened in 2007 and 2008. And somebody asked me the other day, well, how do you know, you know, this is going to happen? <clears throat> well, see, like you and many of your listeners, I don't get my information from watching the, 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 the cable news networks and the radio programs and the networks <clears throat> which are controlled by just six corporations and those corporations are owned by by the elite forces or the international banking families which control the world which brings me to a point um, that that I think I want to I mean I know I've been talking about it for a long time in my books <clears throat> and documenting it but I just want to reinforce this principle, and the reason I want to reinforce the principle is that I've noticed that um, in every person's mind, and that would include my mind, but in every person's mind, there is an innate um, predisposition to resist certain truths and ideas and certain true concepts. In other words, even though these concepts are very true, and these are realities are very true, uh, there's something about us as human beings that we're very resistant to it. Now, I have reasons for that, but see, there, there are truths that are staring us in the face, but the average person will re- resist that truth and reject that truth, even though it is true. And there are spiritual and psychological principles for it. Now, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, one truth is that, well, here's the primary truth. The primary truth is is that this world, as we know it, and I'm talking about um, the power of the world, which would include military power, geopolitical power, economic power, cultural power, social power, uh, power in the realm of science, education, uh, government, politics, film, entertainment, media, whatever, uh, medicine, law, uh, Though all of these power centers, uh, and again, this is hard for some people to grasp, but the only reason they can't grasp it is because they have not done their homework and they have not studied enough. Uh, I don't really, I mean, I'm polite to people who, who, who challenge me, uh, but when I question them and they've spent three minutes researching the subject, I mean, it's kind of hard to take them seriously. I mean, they, they're very emotional when they disagree with you, but when you probe, they've spent three minutes researching the subject. I've spent 37 years. So, I mean, and, and, it's kind of hard to take them seriously. Okay. And that speaks to the effectiveness of the propaganda, though. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And that's well, scary. No, no, that's a good point. And let me just uh, pick up on what you said, said before I proceed. And that is the interesting thing about social engineering, which is... Uh, what most people, most people in America and in Europe are under the influences of social engineering. Uh, I'm always reluctant to say scientific mind control because that's too intense for most people, but it's true. Social engineering, propaganda, brainwashing, programming. Uh, the average American and average European has been heavily, their, their thinking has been heavily influenced by propaganda, social engineering, brainwashing, education, and programming. Now, that's why you can have this ridiculous assumption uh, which, where the average person in America, especially young people uh, and people who think they're educated, 
because they, let's say they went to an Ivy League school or whatever. They all claim to be independent thinkers, uh, and they all claim to be individuals. But the irony is, is if they're truly individualistic thinkers and independent thinkers, how come they all think the exact same thoughts? I mean, you could go down a list of 150 to 250 uh, key questions on culture, sexuality, politics, economics, or whatever, and for the most part, uh, all 250 of a random sampling of independent, individualistic thinkers, for the most part, would would pretty much, with minor, minor variations, agree and have the same thinking and beliefs and attitudes on just about everything. So that in itself is proof of the fact that they're not independent thinkers, because if, in, if they were truly independent thinkers, there would be a great diversity of opinions and thoughts. Instead, everybody thinks the same. Uh, let, let's take, uh, for example, climate change, which used to be called global warming. The average American, uh, or at least a large percentage, especially in academic circles, they completely believe the mythology that um, uh, climate change is produced by man-made CO2 emissions, despite the fact that there's no scientific evidence, serious scientific evidence, to support it whatsoever. Now, they, they, they'll scream at you if you say that, but again, if you probe them, they have never read a scientific study. They're just repeating what they heard on television. So they all think the same. Uh, they all think the same in, in culture and every other area. So they're not independent thinkers. So, so the proof of the fact that they're indoctrinated is they maintain the illusion that they're independent individuals, but they all think the same, which is a contradiction and exposes the fact that they're not individuals or independent thinkers at all, they're programmed thinkers. That's why they all think alike. Now, having said that, um, we have um, this this uh, this mythology, which which the average person is uh, brainwashed or uh, uh, indoctrinated to believe since uh, early days in school and through the media. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They do not. They reject the idea that there is some monolithic, all-powerful conspiratorial group. In fact, the word conspiracy to them, all if you use the word conspiracy, it always uh, uh, initiates a knee-jerk reaction of laughter. Now, why is that? Um, if you say conspiracy, you 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 can count on automatic laughter and ridicule by most people. Why is that? That's programming. They've been programmed to reject and laugh and scoff at anything that they perceive to be a conspiracy theory, which is really a very sophisticated way of programming people and brainwashing them and keeping their minds away from thinking about anything other than the officially uh, dictated story. Uh, so, for example... Yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, you're you're exactly right, and it is not just here in America, but uh, earlier this week we I was getting into a book Brzezinski wrote in 55, Totalitarian Dictatorship and Autocracy, where he mm -hmm. deals with this issue of the propaganda and its role in the uh, uh, totalitarian government system, and they say it creates this peculiar atmosphere in a totalitarian dictatorship that is created by two closely related phenomena, propaganda and terror and it goes on to say that the 
characteristics is to intimidate, government terror seeks to frighten, and sway into conformity and obedience. And through the control of the mass media communications, um, which is, a, they say, the most striking characteristic of the um, totalitarian dictatorship, when you, when you have all these together, the terror, the propaganda, and the monopoly, they can reinforce uh, their own uh, agenda. And, and they can make it up as they go along and change and rewrite history on the back end. And they have done this through <clears throat> countless countries and hundreds of years to where they're trying to perfect the uh, most efficient form of destructive government. Right. Now, what you said uh, is, is a good way to illustrate this. You're, so, so you're quoting from Brzezinski, who's uh, one of the leading intellectuals and architects of what's called the New World Order and, the, and a highly respected man uh, among the Council on Foreign Relations and the global elite and uh, the author of books and a uh, whole a powerful advocate of the use of psychotronic weapons on the public, and psychotronic weapons, of course, is using technological weapons to control the thinking of people through through technology or mind control. So these highly intelligent elitist leaders like Brzezinski, and we could name many others, um, they openly write in serious uh, papers in mainstream publications or in their own books uh, they openly say what they're doing, why they're doing it, and they hide nothing. Yet, you talk to the average person on the street or in a college, they would call you and I conspiracy theorists, uh, but they've never read Brzezinski's words. They've read nothing, nothing. They've spent their day watching the cartoon channel or porn or or something like that. So, so th on the basis of no evidence, they will laugh at you and I. But you and I could pr pr present a library of information from credible mainstream uh, sources where they openly admit their goal is to brainwash the population and yep. to, to use things like climate change to bring about radical social uh, political uh, transformation. So that's what we're dealing in our country. We're dealing with our country uh, like it's a war of uh, truth and knowledge versus ignorance and, and being in a trance state. And speaking of trance state, when I say that the average American is in a scientifically induced trance state, people laugh and chuckle. They don't know how to deal with that uh, because it implies that they're under uh, scientific mind control. But then when you read just Brzezinski alone, he will, <laughs> in detail... And again, he's a highly respected member of the elite. He will come out in detail in hundreds of pages of his book and talk exactly about what technologies they use designed to, to keep people in a scientifically-induced trance state. In other words, Brzezinski isn't saying that that's a conspiracy theory. He knows it's a reality. It's only the people that are brainwashed that don't know. And so that's what we're dealing with. And it's not just Brzezinski. We could quote so many other credible elite uh, scientists and leaders. Absolutely. That's what. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, but but the people don't read it. The people in the media don't read it. If they do read it, they don't admit it. And of course, it's not allowed to uh, be discussed in the public school system or whatever. So, um, so that's why we wrote our book, The Babylon Code. Which, by the way, despite the fact that that 
it's not a politically correct book. Uh, it's it's the word of mouth on the Babylon Code, which I had the privilege of writing with my co-author Troy Anderson, who is a Pulitzer Prize nominated journalist. So we have plenty of documentation from mainstream sources, but we expose these hidden agendas. We expose the reality of the of the elite. We expose the reality of Brzezinski and secret societies, and we uh, uh, merge it with Bible prophecy. And we say what's going to happen in 2016 and beyond. And because the the, the documentation is so huge, uh, people are really being set on fire by the book in a way that I really didn't expect. I, I just I didn't you know I knew it would be well received. I knew it would do well. I I didn't expect from uh, to hear from people that I don't the kind of readers that I don't normally hear from that they're like blown away by it and they read the documentation and they accept it they're, you know they're, they've moved beyond the place of, of rejecting this stuff so anyway um, we have what we call an architecture of evil that there's this very powerful uh, uh, evil group uh, we document in that and I document it in my books like Mass Awakening which your father wrote the, wrote the forward to and uh a prophecy of the future of America. We document the fact that there exists secret societies, that they're real, they're not fictitious, um, that are currently controlling the world, they're currently controlling the United States of America, currently controlling Europe. And so when we look at the economic chaos in our world today, the military chaos in our world today, the geopolitical chaos, the social chaos, the societal breakdown, the anti-Christian attitudes, None of these are happening by random chance or, or terrorism and the explosive growth of ISIS. None of these are happening by uh, chance. Uh, they're not happening by accident. They are all part of a very, very uh, strategically conceived plan to bring about uh, uh, planned chaos and over to overthrow what they call the old world order and usher in the new world order. So, so all the chaos, all the bloodshed, but, but what I want to get across, because even for me, who studies, that's been studying this stuff for like 38 years, and, and you know, my, my the hours of research is, you know, off the charts. The, the thousands of books I read is off the charts. But even me, you know, I have to constantly see it, constantly be re-exposed to new information, read different books because every time I do I get more and more pieces of the puzzle uh, because you see when you begin to think in a way that is against the flow of the culture you, 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 your mind faces kind of an opposition but when you really know your stuff it just strengthens your, your, your belief and you can see it clearer so I was thinking about this um, as we entered 2016 I was thinking about the GMO foods and how they're deliberately killing uh, people's lives and giving them diseases. And then I'm saying to myself, well, we have the GMO foods owned by the big food corporations, and yet the government uh, makes all their poisonous food legal. legal. So you have, li literally, this is not conspiracy theory. Fortunately, some Americans are starting to wake up to it. But the GMO foods, the genetically modified organisms, are literally killing, spreading disease, cancer, 
and shortening the lifespans of, of billions of people. And it's being done on purpose. And our government approves this food because they're in on it. And then we mm-hmm. take uh, big pharmaceutical companies and how so many of the uh, um, medicines and drugs and stuff kill people and shorten their lives. They do the exact opposite. Or we talk about, um, um, let's look at, for example, notice how uh, the leaders of the Western nations, including the United States and Germany and Sweden and and France and the EU, notice how in, in face of the reality that the fact that these Syrian refugees that are pouring into Europe have a very high percentage of males that are 21 to 25 years old that are soldier age. They have militant Islamic beliefs. They're, they're either from ISIS, trained by ISIS, or highly uh, uh, sympathetic to militant Islamic ISIS beliefs. Right now in Europe, wherever they're being let in, which is in large numbers, they are literally raping massive amounts of European women. They're just raping them like crazy. They're beating up people. It's so horrific. I mean, and I don't want to get too in detail with this, but I saw a headline about uh, a group of Muslim men who had raped a a young child, and they were bragging about it. On a video, and they were they were bragging about it on a video they made. I mean, and I just read the headline. I could not even bring myself to to, to look okay, at so, the video of these right. people, you know, boasting this. Okay, I hadn't heard that. So, so that this even adds to the to, to to the problem. So you're talking to me about, and I'm sure it's not an isolated case. You're you're having these Muslim men, militant Muslim men, coming in from places like Syria. Uh, because we're being people are being lied to in Europe, like they're being lied to in the United States, that it's the humanitarian thing to do, and now some young child has been most likely gang raped by a group of men, and these women are being gang raped, and it's brutal. Okay, it's you know it's a brutal thing. So, not to count the murders and the men being beaten up and so on and so forth. So, so you say you have to ask yourself the question. Obviously, Merkel, the head of Germany, the head of France, and these nations, they are obviously aware of what is happening uh, now that they're allowing the terrorists in. They're fully aware of it. And yet they continue to to uh, accelerate the numbers of terrorists entering uh, the European nations. So at face value, it doesn't appear to be a rational thought, but a deeper inspection it is. The reason they're doing that is because, to be blunt, they do not care about the number of rapes and attacks on European citizens. They don't care. They don't care that many of these people are terrorists and are going to build bombs and commit terrorist uh, attacks in Europe. And they don't really care uh, about this when it comes into the United States. They don't care, because if they did care, they would shut the borders in Europe and shut the borders in the United States to protect the people. They don't care, and they know what's happening. So people have to move beyond this, well, they don't know what's happening, they're making ignorant decisions. No, they're not making ignorant decisions. They're making deliberate decisions, because the elite that control the world... Uh, want these uh, migrants in the U.S. and Europe because they serve a function that benefits the agenda of the elite. 
And that function is they're a battering ram to destroy uh, Western European civilization, uh, to break down the social cohesion, to, to break up any voting bloc, uh, and eventually to establish Sharia law, which is Islamic law, and then uh, Sharia law can be used to smash what is left of Christianity and uh, any basic freedoms the Europeans or Americans might have. So, so the globalists and the elitists are deliberately flooding America and Europe uh, and other parts of the world with these terrorists because their goal is to destroy the uh, whatever's left of the sovereign nation, state, and culture so that by the use of force they can create a crisis that uh, they can create a cr- crisis which will escalate to such a point where the people will literally get down on their hands and knees and beg to have their rights taken away and they will beg for a police state or a dictatorship to protect them that is the plan now you'll never hear that discussed on the news networks you'll never hear that discussed in the media but but to to continue to to perpetuate this absurd idea that 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 the decisions of all these leaders is always the result of their stupidity or naive, naivety yeah. or bad foreign policies total nonsense no they're doing it deliberately no you're you're absolutely right and um you know we we've talked about this many times that the ignorance defense was okay for uh, you know one uh, yeah. scandal that went bad but when you see the same pattern over a period of two, one presidential administration in two terms, and the crimes that have been committed and the lack of accountability, and people in the media chalking it up to, uh, you know, the lack of intelligence and planning, and uh, when it, in fact it is the strategic planning and exactly what they wanted to do. And it's so bad that in the beginning of the year, um, we had people in the Middle East who were members of ISIS say prepare for the invasion of Western countries by terrorists. And then we see the influx of the Muslim immigrants, and that's what they're called, immigrants. And everybody forgets that, you know, they said we're going to come and invade. It's going to be seemingly a population of uh, people who have no home in Syria anymore due to the war. And and they do exactly what they said they're going to do. But, you know, uh, exactly, and so it's craziness. Yes, and so so um, ISIS, Al Qaeda, and militant Islam is serving a very important uh, purpose to the globalist elite, who really do exist. Secret societies and uh, a globalist elite or a Luciferian elite. This isn't a mythology. They really do exist, and anybody who is willing to do research can prove it without the shadow of a doubt. In fact, this elite. Um, again, in, in, in respected journals, in the books that they write, openly admit who they are. They o- openly admit to their Luciferian beliefs, and they openly admit uh, to how they're going to achieve their ends. So when people say conspiracy theory or they shout and yell, um, they don't, really don't have a leg to stand on because these people have all, these people really think that the average person is rather stupid. And so they're not—they're willing to do it out in the open. They're not even trying to really hide it. So this is what we're facing, and it's coming to the United States uh, very quickly. So in my yeah. book, uh, *Mass Awakening*, 
I warn of this. I warn of this in uh, A Prophecy of Future America. We warn of it in the Babylon Code. And in Mass Awakening, I talk about, uh, and this is so important for people to read, but I talk about the fact that there will either be a mass dark awakening, an evil awakening, a satanic awakening uh, that erupts out of chaos, mass movements, mass awakenings that erupt out of chaos, but will will, will produce uh, revolutionary changes that are violent and destructive and evil, like in the case of uh, uh, Nazi Germany or uh, communist Ru- uh, Russia, that kind of thing. And that that's what these people are planning to do, to create... A, a mass awakening that's dark. Uh, an example of this would be just today, all over the Drudge Report and other news reports, uh, many groups in reaction to the, the uh, uh, terrorists coming into Europe, they're calling for, for the return of Adolf Hitler, openly. They, they want a new Hitler. Now, that's not happening by accident. That, that cry of the people for uh, an authoritarian dictatorship to protect them, a strongman, that is pre-planned uh, by the elite. The elite know, know what levers to pull, what buttons to push in the public. And um, so we're seeing that, and I, and I warn about that in my, my book and books, yeah. because the same thing is going to happen is happening in the united states san bernardino was a was a pivotal moment because uh you had all those people slaughtered they were unarmed uh and um you have this other dynamic which is which is also pre-planned you have in europe but you have in the united states at the same time you have americans being killed in increasing numbers by terrorist attacks etc uh, because because they're unarmed and defenseless, you have governments and governmental agencies crying for more and more gun control, even though all the statistics say that um, um, that people being killed by guns has gone way down. And if anybody had been in that building in San Bernardino and it was properly armed, you wouldn't have had the massacre. In fact, uh, there was that church in Colorado where this uh, guy went in and started gunning down people like crazy. The reason 5,000 people weren't slaughtered in cold blood in that church in Colorado Springs a number of years ago was because one woman, who I believe was an off-duty female cop, had to ha- happened to have a pistol wrapped around her ankle, and she was a marksman, and she pulled it out, and she shot the assassin to death. Otherwise, 5,000 people would have died. And you can go down the list. The, the, the slaughter of innocent Americans in all these situations could have been stopped if somebody had been armed. So, so the idea of that taking away guns is going to uh, make us safer, that's a lie. It's the exact opposite. In addition, these ideas that the Republicans, of course, are... Um, the, the Republicans work for the same people that the Democrats work for. There's no difference between the two parties. Now, there may be some exceptions. We'll find out if those exceptions are are valid. But this idea that, okay, well, we're going to do and everybody seems to be applauding in the media, because the, the a media, both conservative and, and uh, liberal, are promoting this. They're saying it's great to have uh, background checks based on people's mental health. Well, you know, there there are some cases when people are like like totally crazy and murderous and suicidal, 
uh, where they, they shouldn't get guns. But once you open that very dicey door to is, is somebody mentally healthy uh, to, to, to have guns, uh, history shows us how that plays out. In, in, in the former Soviet Union, they politicized uh, psychiatry. So if you didn't believe in communism and all the tenets of, of the Communist Party, you were considered mentally ill and crazy. So what we can see easily happening here in the United States is if you don't hold the right politically correct beliefs, uh, the right politically correct religious beliefs and all the other beliefs, then it's not just a matter of fact, a matter of you having a different viewpoint. You are labeled as mentally unstable or mentally ill because you don't, for example, believe in climate change. In fact, a professor... Uh, of, a, of a major university came out and said people who don't believe in climate change are mentally ill. And so if you're a Christian or you don't have politically correct beliefs, then you can be classified as mentally ill and therefore you can't have a gun. Let's say you take sleeping pills, but you've never committed a crime in your life. You can't have a gun. Uh, you, you've been treated for uh, depression with medication. You can't have a gun. So the next thing you know, you've opened a back door to take away people's Second Amendment rights based on not real psychology or mental health. Mental health is used, as it was in the Soviet Union, as a weapon of control. And so through the back door of so-called mental health, um, not, not even mentioning, you know, if a husband and wife are fighting or whatever, and one's a liberal, one's a conservative, somebody can call in and say, oh, you know, take away the guns. So this is, this is very dangerous because guns... Um, are a mechanism of protection from not only burglars but tyranny. Absolutely, and I think uh, where you live in California, there was a new law implemented on the first, where uh, without any uh, judge, jury, a person can state that they believe a person that they know with a gun is dangerous, and the gun can be confiscated from the person without any probable cause or proof that they're unstable or a danger to others and the gun will be kept from them for at least 21 days. Uh, right, and what, and, and what is to protect people from so-called anonymous calls or people pretending to be relatives calling in and making all kinds of allegations? I mean, the door is wide open for that. Yeah. And, so, um, and in California, you know, if anybody has tried, which I have, uh, called 911 because I thought there was a serious danger. I have never, and I support the police, by the way. I support law enforcement. I support the police. I do support certain gun control measures, but not the kind, the, the kinds that they're talking about. In other words, if you got yourself somebody like, uh, the guy who killed John Lennon with these major, serious, you know, uh, and evidence of previous violent behavior or something, I have no problem with, with, with restrictions on their access to guns. If they have a, a but if somebody just have, doesn't happen to believe in uh, global warming, they're not mentally ill. But in California, um, if you call the police for something, I remember, right, I may have said it in an earlier program, I was in the Hollywood Hills, I lived up on Lookout, Lookout Mountain, and I heard gunshots. There's a whole bunch of gunshots on the hill above our house. So I called the cops and said, look, there's gunshots going off, a lot of them, and I'm concerned. Can you please send a police officer? 
They said, they said, has anybody shot or been hurt? I said, not that I know of, but there's gunshots going. They said, well, we can't come until somebody's been shot or hurt. And I've had to call 911 over the years because I thought somebody was breaking into my house or whatever. Hey, guess what? They never show up. They show up two hours later. That's the norm in California. I don't know where, what it's like in the rest of the nation. So if that's, that's the norm bad. in California, and you're a single mother or a single woman or an elderly person, and and you think uh, somebody's breaking into your house, and the cops come two hours later, uh, you're dead, man, or you're raped, and that's it. You have no you have no way of protecting yourself. And you make a great point that police are not uh, to be involved until a crime has already been committed, and you know they say protect and serve, um, and that's after the fact. And you see that so often that people. Uh, who own guns who are maybe home at the right time or at the right place at the right time have stopped people with guns bent on creating mass destruction uh, you know those stories always get swept under the rug and the media who helps push for this gun control uh, forgets to mention that murder happened forever before guns were invented and will all will continue to happen uh, whether there are guns or not and um, it's just this big disconnect, and, and you referred to it earlier, uh, as the people are conditioned and, and rocked to sleep mentally uh, through you know uh, subtle hypnosis and um, conformity uh, with fear of being ostracized for being different or uh, you know seeing the truth and calling it what it is, people are um, just paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by. Uh, indifference and it is getting to a, a point where it's going to you know their indifference will be the reason why they will be uh, least likely to survive and uh, it's sad because people have the ability people have the uh, mental capacity it's just that it's not utilized because they have they being the educational system and political system media have learned how to suppress it and make you uh, almost ashamed of having your own opinion. Yeah, and right. It's just so backwards and upside down. Now, what I'm about to say, I'm not endorsing a political candidate. I'm not endorsing Trump. I haven't made made up my mind who I'm going to vote for for president yet. I mean that I haven't made up my mind because I'm gonna, I'm still doing research and uh, probably won't make up my mind until closer to to the election. But Trump said something interesting regarding uh, Hillary Clinton's thing about how she's going to take away guns because guns cause, uh, you know, uh, violence and don't protect people. And Trump fired back to her, well, then if guns don't protect people, then you, why don't you have your bodyguards get rid of their guns? And see, mm -hmm. what we have in California is we have a lot of affluent people, a lot of people in the entertainment business and a lot of other people who are affluent who have... They can afford to have armed guards who have guns. So, so they're the ones financing all this gun control stuff, but they're protected because they can afford to have armed bodyguards. So the people who can't afford armed bodyguards, let's say somebody who, you know, there's a lot of really nice people who live in ghetto neighborhoods, and their windows are all barred up and everything else, and some of these people are elderly or whatever, and if somebody breaks in their house, the police aren't going to show up to help them. They need to be able to protect themselves. But these people are very cold. They don't care if these people get killed. 
Now the other it's just thing, like, go the, ahead. The climate, um, the uh, global warming, the people who are pushing and these speeches telling you you need to reduce your carbon footprint uh, are flying from city to city in 747s, um, you know, by themselves, just you know, careless of how they uh, distribute their carbon, or you know, they're just worried about controlling yours or uh, making you feel bad. Uh, through their messages, but they, you know, say one thing and act a completely different way. And well, well, you're right. The amount of movie stars, people like Al Gore uh, in the entertainment business, the the, the amount of high level, uh, big time executives and CEOs who 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 uh, are promoting, you know, uh, changes. Uh, they will want us to to reduce uh, using our energy through global warming. They are energy pigs. They fly in massive jets. They have that. They they waste energy like crazy, and so it's 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 just complete. It's complete hypocrisy. And then the 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 other thing is that um, um, because of what's going on in the United States right now, especially with the, the this. Uh, I'm not talking about all Muslims. I'm talking about militant Islamic extremists. Um, every church. Every synagogue, every public gathering, uh, every movie theater, every uh, school is a target. And if you don't have somebody who's trained uh, uh, and and can protect uh, those institutions, then you're endangering all of their lives because the police can't get there in time. Now, and as you say this and explain this, Paul, and I'm sorry for interrupting, but sure. uh, our technician just gave us uh, info across the screen. CNN.com right now is broadcasting Obama Live, and as we speak, he is talking about tighter gun measures and um, in, a, in a town hall type of uh, event. And he said many times, uh, when Congress fails to act, or, or when he perceives Congress has failed to act, he's going to use his power, which is illegitimate in the sense that he's using it, but people don't call him on it, uh, of executive authority to change the laws himself, and that's just a dictator uh, at this point, right? Well, here, here's the interesting thing: he has secret servicemen and all kinds of armed guards. His children have armed guards. Uh, he does. His wife has armed guards. What about all the people living in the ghettos um, of all kinds of racial groups that can't afford armed guards? Well, that's and, why they're gun-free zones, <laughs> right? You know? I mean, I mean they're, they're, they're targets, and they're going to be killed innocently. Because, you know, this is an old adage, but it just happens to be true. When you outlaw guns, the only people who have guns are criminals. I mean, it, it's been said, mm-hmm. and some people might think it's corny, but it's true. The criminals, they don't care whether drugs or guns are, are, are legal. They all have them. So w- you are forcing society to move into the place where innocent, law-abiding, tax-paying, honest uh, citizens are going to be victimized by criminals who won't bother to get a background check or anything else. They'll have illegal guns, and they're going to come into people's houses, and the more they know people don't have guns, the more they're going to break in and shoot, kill, rob, and destroy. It's, it's, it's horrendous. You know, when you, when you go to uh, Israel um, and you go, for example, um, by where the, the Temple Mount is and... Uh, uh, all of the areas of Israel, the airport or whatever, you you will see um, thousands of Israeli soldiers everywhere. 
and they're usually college a, a, a college age male and female uh, um, you know it's mandatory for every female and male of a certain age and they're young men and women um, um, they have to serve in uh, the Israeli defense forces and they patrol shops and tourist places and they carry uh, uh, you know military weapons and they are dressed in combat fatigues and there's no sense of martial law. There's, they, they have no bullying attitude. They're constantly surveying the crowd for a problem. They're to protect people. And you, you don't feel like you're in a police state. Uh, there isn't that arrogance. They're, poli- they're incredibly polite and courteous. And because of that, uh, Israel is largely an extremely safe place because there's this attitude by the government that... Um, our army is there to serve the public. Um, we don't seem to have that attitude in the United States. You know, there's this militarization of the police and, and soldiers coming into the streets, but but the attitude and black people experience this, can experience this, white people experience this, Latinos experience this. And again, I'm for law enforcement, but uh, when you when you militarize the police and you send in troops. They're, they come in, you know, whether they mean it or not, they come in with a very bullying, Gestapo-like, throw you down, smack you in the head with a butter rifle, maybe shoot you first, and then ask questions later. And that mentality is very dangerous. That, that, that's turning America into a dictatorship. Um, and that, that comes right from the top. There's no accountability. Uh, speaking of which, I am... Uh, I want to let your uh, listeners know I'm leading a tour, a Passover in Israel tour to Israel, and we're going uh, April 17th to 28th, and it will be 12 days. We'll be going different uh, places in Israel. Uh, I'll be teaching at the various sites from the Bible uh, and explaining it specifically through the lens of Bible prophecy, but... um, this tour, I kind of call this tour a supernatural tour of Israel because I'm asking people to come who who feel like a divine assignment uh, from God to come to Israel. Um, and we're going to pray at key areas. We're going to pray over the Middle East. We're going to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And so I think it's going to be, I, I know it's going to be a, a kind of a supernatural encounter with the land of Israel. And if people have never been to Israel before, uh, talk about making your faith uh, come alive. I wanted to encourage them to to join us, or at the least go to my website paulmcguire.us and find out about the Passover in Israel with Paul McGuire tour coming up April 17th to 28th. And the reason I know we're going to be safe is because I've been to Israel, and you have uh, uh, people with guns who are polite and servant-like really taking their job seriously and they're constantly looking out to protect you. Um, you know, we have some great police and law enforcement in the United States, but I've also met some that when you give them the big cars and the big guns, uh, you know, again, I'm not knocking all of them, but there's this this, this kind of arrogance out there, you know. Uh, you don't see that in Israel. You don't see people smashing down the doors of uh, innocent tax-paying citizens. And we're seeing that more and more, and that's uh, that goes along with the taking away of guns. It's an attitude 
that that the people are no you know it's supposed to be we the people in America but but now the people are uh being treated as if they were slaves to the state and uh it's an attitude generated by our elected representatives and it's uh uh it used to be that people who worked for government uh, my father was a teacher and he always called himself a civil servant but this idea of people in government acting as civil servants is gone they they're acting like our masters it's a very dangerous trend and at least at this time you don't <laughs> see it in israel so and i uh would hope one day i'd get a chance to to go to israel if um i ever get a chance to fly across the atlantic that would be the first place i would want to go um and i think that's fantastic that you are um leading a, a group of people there and um you know the first prophecy in the news conference that me and my father attended we met avi lipkin and he was you know taking people to israel and i remember uh seeing all his maps and and the uh, plans that they had for the trip and just wishing you know one day i could get to go there and it, i bet it is it is a spiritual experience as much as it is uh a, a physical experience because you're actually walking through uh, all the areas that are described in great detail in the Bible that have been the center of civilization from the beginning and the beginning and end of God's plan uh, on earth. And uh, it's got to be special. And uh, it, it is special, and, and um, almost everybody I've ever talked to, including myself, who's gone to Israel, especially many people go many times, um, but especially people who go their first or second or third time, they say the experience changes their lives forever. And I think the reason for that is is that all the stories you read in the Bible suddenly come to dramatic life when you're standing there in, in the middle of them. Like when I was standing at the te- uh, by the Temple Mount where the Wailing Wall is, um, I had a, uh, you know, it, wasn't a, it was not an emotional uh, spiritual experience, but I had this, a distinct sense that I was standing in in the in the center of planet Earth, and this was like the the city of God because it was weird. On one hand, you had all these Jews, these Orthodox Jews, you had all these Christians there. Then you had the Muslims with their Temple Mount. You had the young Israeli soldiers with the guns to protect everybody. But it was like it was like um, this this conflict was there. You you could just feel it. Um, I saw the United Nations cars all over the place, but 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 at the same time, it was like the Lord said to me, "This is how it is supposed to be now." It is, it's it's exactly how He prophesied that it would be. This is where a lot of Christians uh, don't have their theology straight regarding the Jews. The the, the 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 ancient Hebrew prophets said that the Jews are supposed to come back into the land in a condition of unbelief so you have people shouting and screaming well they don't deserve the land because they're in unbelief or in immorality or whatever but then they don't read the bible that's the whole point the jews come back Mm -hmm. after two thousand years of dispersion in a spiritual state of unbelief that's what it prophesies so when you see unbelieving jews in israel you shouldn't be saying oh they don't belong there no that's what what god said would happen it's only as bible prophecy unfolds and the Jews move through what's called the time of Jacob's trouble, that, and they make a very bad deal with the Antichrist, that the scales fall from their eyes, and there's a, there's a powerful revival in Israel 
where they begin to see Jesus as their Messiah for the first time. And, um, and I, I will explain that in detail, and the reason for that will be at the, where Armageddon is going to take place and where Jesus performed miracles. But when you understand that, then you understand that everything is, is as it's supposed to be in Israel, and, by, and we're on the verge of prophecy being fulfilled. And then in other things, we're going to go to the places where Jesus healed. But instead of me just teaching from the Bible and talking about it, which I will, we're going to pray for people. And I believe God's going to supernaturally heal people in Israel as we pray where uh, Jesus prayed for people. I believe that uh, people who want to be baptized, uh, we're going to baptize them, and they're going to experience the this is not going to be a dry theological tour. We're, we're going to teach the Bible and Bible prophecy, but there is going to be a supernatural element to this tour. And uh, again, we're looking for people who feel the call of the Holy Spirit, feel a, a divine call to come, because I believe we have a divine assignment there. And I, I don't really want to talk about what the divine assignment is too much uh, publicly, but I believe we're there for a spiritual reason at and that is to change the spiritual dynamic of what's happening in the invisible realm in the same way that we as Christians right now, as we're going into 2016, are called to change the spiritual dynamic uh, of what's going on in the invisible realm. Because you and I opened the show talking about angels, and as you know, the Bible talks about fallen angels and God's angels. And so when Daniel has the... uh, vision of the end of time uh, he had to battle these powerful territorial spirits, the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece over the Middle East, these are high level angels that had to be uh, put in their place through fasting and prayer and then the archangel from God, Michael and uh, Gabriel uh, had to overcome the prince of Persia, so in the same way yeah, okay. we, we're at the top of the air break, but you are getting into something that I really uh, wanted to talk about. Most importantly, is the spiritual realm and something being in the air, uh, some changes in a dark way. And uh, I'd like to get your opinion on this. On the other side, uh, we'll be right back, folks. You're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report with Paul McGuire. His website, paulmcguire.us. Check it out. We'll be right back. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour on this Thursday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Today is the 7th day of January 2016. Thank you, Eric. I would have forgot if you did not mention right before we came back, nuts.com. You know, so many people make New Year's resolutions to eat better, to get into shape, to do things differently with their lives. As uh, we see the uh, American population continue to grow in size, yet... uh, these companies like Monsanto and uh, genetically modified foods fight to keep their labels uh, from set reading as much that they are genetically modified. 
and the FDA actually passed laws to say they're allowed to say their foods are natural. With all the, the terrible uh, environmental uh, pollutions in our waters and our foods and the air we breathe, um, it's horrible to our system. And, and we have to be more careful in what we choose to put in our body. And we like the snack as people. We're constantly busy, on the go. And you need something to, to snack on. You might as well choose something that is not only delicious, but is good for you. Nuts.com is a, a fantastic company. In our opinion, it is the best tasting nuts on the planet. They hey, create a simple and convenient way to have nutritious, delicious, healthy nuts and other tasty treats from around the world uh, delivered straight to your door. You can get a um, Hagman and Hagman deal from Nuts.com. You go to Nuts.com, and c right now customers get four free samples, over 50 options, uh, over a $15 value at Nuts.com. Enter the promo code HH. Very simple, two H's. Go to Nuts.com, enter HH for four free samples with your order. Try it out and let us know what you think. Now, back to our guest, Mr. Paul McGuire. <clears throat> Paul McGuire US is his website. He has written a number of books, and they seem to just get better and better as he goes from uh, A Day the Dollar Died to Prophecy of the Future of America, Standing on Goliath. The Babylon Code is the latest. And um, you've been releasing some DVDs recently, too, haven't you, Paul? Yeah, um, one is called uh, Vortex and World War III, um, which gives uh, an analysis from Bible prophecy of the Middle East terrorism, what's happening in the European Union and the economy, and how it may very well lead to World War III. But it doesn't just stop there. It talks about the power of revival and the power of God uh, that God wants to pour out on his people. So it deals with both. And then the fall of America, who will stand in the gap? You know, I really wish people would get this and and invite fellow believers, not skeptics, but fellow believers over, watch the fall of America, and then actually go into intercessory prayer and stand in the gap, because I believe by doing that they would release the power of God not only in their lives and families, but on this nation, and that's why... I, I recorded that DVD. It comes from the Paradise Church, Mountain Church meetings. And then the other one is Israel. Uh, it's a three-DVD set, Right to the Land, Coming Invasion of Israel and God's Prophetic Super Sign. And it's a very powerful teaching, which it gets, you know, people have so much confusion regarding the Jews, Israel, their right to the land, where Israel fits in Bible prophecy. And I, I go through it almost like a lawyer, but it's fast-moving. Uh, and explain the Abrahamic Covenant. Because, for example, if you understand the Abrahamic Covenant, you understand that it's absolutely impossible for God to be finished with the Jews. So I don't care yep. what theological camp you come from, uh, your argument is, is, is a, a, it's a ridiculous argument, because the Abrahamic Covenant, by its very definition, is an everlasting covenant. That means it's everlasting. That means you can't come along and just arbitrarily say, by quoting verses out of context, that God is finished with Israel. He can't be finished with Israel because the Abrahamic covenant is everlasting. But people tack on this well. They forfeited the right to the land. 
Well, yeah, they did in their flesh forfeit the right in the land, but 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 the basis for them getting the land is never based on their performance. It's based on the covenant, and uh, so that that could would help a lot of people. So the, uh, the DVD sets are powerful. By the way, um, we're going to be launching a Roku channel where we'll be having a lot of teachings that I give at Paradise Mountain Church on. Uh, we'll be airing conference messages I've given, and the Roku channel will be up. I don't know. I guess in a week or so. And it's called the Paul McGuire Report. So if people have Roku, they can download that, and of course they can get it free and get a lot of teachings free on TV through the Roku channel. Yeah, and and Roku is uh, actually something that's built into newer smart TVs. Um, and, yeah, and it's a it's an awesome tool. Um, I actually my wife bought one maybe when it first came out, so we were kind of. Uh, at the bottom end of being able to access what they have on there now, uh, I'd imagine is much greater in uh, content. But um, the the Roku is a fantastic way to not pay cable, not pay for cable. You buy a one-time fee of you get the right. little box, and then you get to access uh, a whole bunch of different uh, content from news to um, subscription-based sites and. Uh, also, people, if you would like to uh, check out some of Paul's videos, uh, not the ones for sale, but some of uh, his other teachings, go to his YouTube channel. There is uh, a constant update of uh, content there, and it's uh, something I check on a regular basis and love watching his videos because there's so much that is uh, shared. And as I was telling um, before the show, that you know, you don't you know waste words, you don't uh, go on about things that are unimportant. Uh, you really get the meat, and, and then that's what you focus on. And it's, uh, I guess it's a, it's different than what we are used to, especially if you're used to listening to um, Fox News or even a lot of alternative media, uh, because this is the truth without the agenda of uh, furthering the Constitution or people's rights it's the truth about our spiritual nature and our spiritual mission and duty and how the current events are um, conforming to bible prophecy and yeah um, and you know um I'm it's thankful, amazing i'm thankful for the roku channel and when they the way roku works is you have to um, ask for your channel so mine is called the paul mcguire report and you don't have to have a big fancy TV to get it. You can have just a, uh, a regular TV, and you can buy the Roku box, and it's not that expensive, and you get access to all these channels. But like you said, you know, I get tired. I mean, I, my wife can tell you this. That we, we have Fox News or CNN or whatever. I just I get so agitated because they leave out everything. And when you leave out everything, nothing makes any sense. So on the messages I give on Roku, I put I don't leave the stuff out. You know, I, I get tired of all the information being left out because it, that's that's dishonest. It's dishonest reporting and it's manipulative. So it, people hopefully will get, well not hopefully, they will get the truth and the truth will set you free. And the same with the spiritual teaching from the conferences that I air there. You know, you know me when I speak at a conference. I, you know, I don't, I'm not like politically correct and I don't, I just lay it out, man, <laughs> and let the chips fall where they may. And, and that's what's, um, you know, one of the, the great things about the way you teach is that you're not uh, trying to make points and, and score points for uh, people who believe certain ways. You're there to give the truth as the Lord has shown you and as you see uh, 
with your own eyes. And I, I want to, before we uh, get too far into this hour, I want to ask a question my dad asked me to uh, ask you um, as he's with his wife and uh, unable to be here. He says, Paul, um, uh, he's been doing a lot of research on the counterculture, which mm-hmm. uh, you've written about in your book, The Babylon Code of Prophecy, The Future of America and Mass Awakening. Mm-hmm. He had an aha moment um, getting into Woodstock, learning about the purpose of Woodstock and the experiments the CAA uh, conducted through the Tavistock Institute. Right. And he goes on to say, the people who were at Woodstock have shaped the policies in the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Drugs, heroin, all CIA initiatives. Television Today, part of a bigger plan. <clears throat> and um, he says, uh, by the way, uh, he was at a local bookstore over the weekend, and he asked the manager to take your book off the obscure shelf and put it on the aisle table. And he wanted me to tell you that. <laughs> Great. The Babylon Code, right? Uh, I, would have, I would assume so, yeah. Okay. He doesn't write which title. Yeah, I'm, I'm very glad he did that because, um, you know, some of these giant retailers, um, they favor... I, I'm not going to name the book, but there's some counterfeit books to the Babylon Code, which are all fluff. And they don't have any content, and they and put those the books. Resistance, you've been meeting too from publishers or, or yes, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, so what what will happen is, even though the book is selling very very well, and it's not because I have a massive amount of money to promote it, uh, or and, and not even that anybody's spending a lot of money to promote it. It's doing well because of grassroots people are with the word of mouth, but. Sometimes you'll go in these bookstores and you'll be dealing with these publishing giants and uh, Christian and secular bookstores, and they'll have the Babylon Code, even though it's selling better or equal to some of these other books, it's placed on the back shelf, um, and the, the, the counterfeits of it are placed up on the front shelf. And the counterfeits are just like, there's nothing in it. It's just like, it's like uh, cotton candy. And... Um, you know that's the spiritual battle we face. So when people like your father do that and ask that we place there in the front shelf, that helps us a lot because we, unless we we don't have the big budgets, we don't have some big conglomerate. We have uh, ordinary people, you know, doing things like that. That's that's what, how we're winning this war because we don't have you know some massive. Maybe we should um, write a letter to the Federal Reserve just requesting uh, bags of money once a month to promote <laughs> special projects. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Since they seem to like to just create it for fun. But, um, no, uh, with all seriousness, we're talking about uh, spiritual warfare, and, and I'd like to get into this if we could uh, personally and um, per- in my perimeter and people I know. Uh, there seems to have been an increase in spiritual warfare. And uh, I guess in some aspects it's subtle, but it seems to be uh, primarily in the area of taking the person's uh, whatever intelligence they had left, if they weren't a believer or uh, if they are a believer, skewing their ability to see things properly, mm-hmm. um, almost like they're you know living in a different world than what they're actually living in, to the mm-hmm. point of. Um, I mean, it can, it, it's only a few days into this new year, and, uh, you know, I, I see friends' potential marriage crumbling over a few days of uh, uh, this spiritual oppression. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, we know it's here, I know it's here, 
and I'd like to ask you if you've seen it, and if not, do you expect to see it become more overt to the point it is uh, you have to face it or run from it? Well, that that's a very, very important question, especially as we go into 2016. So the first thing I want to say is yes, um, every person who is attempting to live for God or seek God or do something for God or, or, or live uh, walking with Jesus Christ is going to experience an escalation of spiritual warfare, uh, both individually and, and as a culture. And the reason for that is is that, uh, to be blunt, the devil. You know, if you're if you're like a, a dead Christian and there's no fruit in your life and and you're not influencing your family, yourself, your community, your nation for the kingdom of God, you're right where the devil wants you. So he's going to, you know, do anything to keep you in that state of spiritual slumber. So he'll, I believe that the devil will actually artificially make things calm around spiritually dead Christians or spiritually asleep Christians so they stay asleep, including the church. So what happens is is that when once you decide to uh, live with Jesus as Lord. Once you decide to um, uh, seek the Lord and be used by Him and step out in faith and accomplish what God has put in your heart, then you become a target. Then you become a threat to the powers of darkness. And then you enter spiritual warfare. And you're going to experience conflict. Now, one thing I want to say, because I, I want to get rid of a lie right up front. There's a lot of people who are Christians who think, well, gee, if I just lay low and don't rock the boat and don't really stand up for God, then the devil's going to leave me alone. And I want to say right up front, that is a lie. If you think by by laying low and doing nothing uh, that you're going to be left alone, I, I said to a degree you will be, but in the long term you're not going to be left alone because... The devil's a liar. We need to remember he's a liar. So he may momentarily allow dead and asleep Christians the luxury of, of a kind of a temporary peace, but he is a. He, it says the devil goes about seeking whom he may kill, steal, and devour from. You're going to get attacked one way or the other, and you're going to get attacked hard. You may be allowed the luxury of being asleep for a while, but you're going to go down hard. Now the person who who endeavors to walk with God, seek God, uh, be God's man or be God's woman, and uh, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and be used by the Lord, that person is going to enter spiritual warfare. They're going to experience conflicts. And most people will notice that whenever they begin to really do stuff for God that God's called them stuff to do, or whenever God like uses them or uses the thing that they're involved in, or sometimes when we have the greatest spiritual victories, okay, that's when we experience the counterattack, and the enemy uh, will let all hell break loose against us. Again, I, I want to defeat the lie, though, that you, you think that you can hide out. The devil's going to overlook you. No, he's not going to overlook you. He'll just get you later down the line. So here's the thing. I've been walking with the Lord for, I don't know, 37 years at least. And I've been through all kinds of seasons and all kinds of spiritual warfare. And I'll tell you this. Nobody told me up front just how intense spiritual warfare can be. So when I first began being used by God, 
when people were coming to Christ through my early ministry and I was, you know, reading the Word and I was growing in the Lord. And the devil hates it when you read the Word and grow in the Lord. Um, um, man, all hell came against me. But it was like so bad and so intense that like I didn't expect it to be this intense because nobody ever taught me or warned me about it. I mean, I don't want to scare people, but I'm going to tell them the truth. So I'm going to tell them the good news and, and the great, the, I'm going to tell them the, the bad, the good, and the ugly. But but the good is is great news, so keep that in mind as I share this. The devil, when he tries to attack us, either as a group or individual, he always goes for the weak points. He knows where we're strong. And so chances are he's not going to attack you in your strong areas. He's going to attack you in the weak areas. And that means if you're married, uh, have children, or whatever, he'll press the people that, that, that if the devil wants to get to you, he's going to go after the people uh, that, that are, are weak and that he, he'll be able to use to get to you. Or he'll go after the areas in your personality which are not strengthened to get to you. Okay, And so all hell can break loose. All chaos can break loose. Um, you know, I describe, I've been faithfully married by the grace of God to one woman, my wife, for 37 years. By the grace of God, not because I'm such a great guy, believe me. When we first got married, we committed our lives to the Lord. We said, Lord, we give you our lives. You're Lord of our life. The Lord was using us. The Lord was using my wife. Uh, we, 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 we were sexually pure before marriage. Now, before I became a Christian, you know, I was the party guy. I was wild. But I said, when I began dating my wife, I said, okay, I'm going to do it your way, God. So, uh, we didn't have sexual relations before we got married. And that was hard for me because I thought, I, I don't want to be offend people and be rude, but I thought you kind of had to test a car, you know, test drive a car before you buy it. I know that's kind of blunt, but that's, so it was hard for me to marry uh, someone, my wife, without having a sexual relationship with her until after we got married. But we did, okay? And then, um, so we sought to work with the Lord. So I, so I said, gee, I did it God's way. You know, I was pure before my marriage. I waited, and I was expecting this, you know. And then all hell broke loose in our marriage. Our early marriage was like the Vietnam War, yelling and the screaming and every crack in both of our personalities. We both came from dysfunctional homes. It was world, it was Vietnam. Now, here I'm serving God, winning people to Jesus, I'm head of a ministry in Times Square, New York. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, the ministry is run by another minister, but I'm basically the, I'm reaching uh, thousands of people through a born-again nightclub in Times Square where we have like Love Song and Keith Green and all these big Christian rock bands of that time. And uh, thousands of people are coming to the Lord, and uh, the Lord's using me in a mighty way. And our marriage just goes... You know, it just just like crashes and burns weeks after we're married. So I left everything to pursue my wife. I walked out of my whole ministry career. And the point what I'm trying to make is, is that all this hell broke loose because I was seeking the Lord. So this has happened a number of times, not just in marriage, but with my kids. Stuff has erupted in business, in any area of life. It just stuff erupts and explodes. And I've learned over the years that if you'll, you know, it says put on the full armor of God, which simply says in Ephesians, 
uh, and every believer should do this daily. You know, God, we come before you, and we ask that you gird our loins about with truth. You shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Uh, we put on the breastplate of righteousness. We pick up the shield of faith, where which we shall quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. We put on the helmet of salvation, and we pick up the sword of the Spirit. And then I'll pray more than that. But you put on the full armor of God, but you read that passage, and it says, having stand... And having, and after having done all, stand. So you put on the full armor of God. You pray. You stay in the Word, even if all hell is breaking loose. You keep praying. You stay in the Word of God. All hell is breaking loose. But you stand by the power of God. You may not feel like you can stand, so you ask God to give you the power to stand. And then sooner or later, and sometimes it's sooner, and sometimes it's later. Sometimes a war can last a year or more. You know, I'm not saying it's easy. But the Lord will strengthen you. And I am telling you, I have seen time after time complete, miraculous transformation of the most nightmare circumstances, the most hellish circumstances that a person can experience. I have seen God miraculously turn around. And it's not with a snap of a finger's. It was like hanging faithful in the trenches and fighting the spiritual warfare. And it took time, and the Lord used it to grow me, but I cannot tell you the amount of these awesome miracles. So like today, after 37 years of marriage, I'm blessed. I have a great relationship with my wife. I'm more in love with her today than I was back then. And man, you know, I felt like divorcing her so many times over 37 years, and I'm sure she felt like divorcing me. But because I didn't bail when the fires were red hot. And then, and then you guess what? When the fires were red hot, the Lord says, okay, Paul, and he says it to all of us, are, you really want to pick up your cross and, and follow me? You really want to die to yourself? Are you willing to hang in there, even though for all practical purposes you, 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 uh, you know, could, could bail? And, you know, you, you choose to follow Jesus. You die to yourself. And that's probably the most painful thing you can do. And then, man, years later, he turns it all around and blesses. So as a guy who's been through a lot of spiritual wars, and it's not just in personal relationships, in organizations, in businesses, in churches, and ministries that I've been involved in, when you're seeking to do the will of God, and the power of God is moving mightily, all hell can break loose among so-called loving Christians all the cracks in their personalities, jealousy, lies, bitterness, attacks from the outside. So I guess I'm trying to say not boasting, but I'm a veteran of many intense spiritual wars. And if you hang in there and seek God, and it's not easy, and not all wars are uh, won, sometimes you lose some, uh, God can turn it around beyond beyond what you can believe, but it's not easy, and it takes time sometimes. Did, did, did that answer your question at all? Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, I I was listening to you know that very uh, detailed explanation, and um, all that I could think of is it's, it's going to get easier. <laughs> um, I understand what you're saying, Paul, and the great examples we have. Uh, it, Including you know what the testimony you just shared, but biblical examples. I mean, we have to look at what the uh, men of God who are written right. about in the Bible went through. Job is a uh, perfect example, uh, and Daniel and what he went through, also. But Job had uh, his whole family, his all his wealth, all his 
resources, right. all his family taken away from him. Right. Because the devil believed that if that was uh, his hedge of protection was taken away, his um, abundance was taken away, that he would uh, curse God and 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 you know blame him. Even his wife told him to curse God and die. Right. But he kept the faith. And That's it wasn't right. overnight, like you said. It wasn't um, something that, I mean, he was went through stuff with his friends and just constant, uh, it's seemingly loss after another. And not just the loss of, you know, oh, you wrecked the car or uh, your dog died, you know, his daughters, his family. And <clears throat> just try to put yourself in that uh, scenario. How many of us would even have the uh, mental capacity and strength to, um, even pray almost uh, if I'm making myself clear here uh, you know you can't when you're in situations like that and these things are happening and then one after another after another and it's uh, the right. stress and the, the just the roller coaster of emotions and the confusion right. uh, you're lucky if you can keep your head above water that's right that's right let alone think clearly and navigate through it and right. only through your faith will you be able to make it through because the Lord will get you through but the right. second you decide, Lord, this is too much, even though he's walking you through it, and it might not seem like it, but it's that uh, how much do you love and believe in the Lord, regardless of what's going on? And that's right. what's important. And, and the thing is, see, when, anybody who seeks to follow God or live for God, um, when we're in this deep spiritual warfare, and everything and see the, the the characteristic of spiritual warfare is stuff begins to happen where we say well this isn't fair god i mean i've been trying to live the way you wanted me you know i've been trying to do your way and it seems so unfair so you so so you, you can't quite understand why it's happening to you because you were trying to do everything the right way and then remember the devil comes and he tempts us and the devil um and and this is where he snares a lot of christians if he can get people to be bitter or to harbor uh, being offended, see, if you get offended because other Christians or people that were close to you really did you wrong, if he can get you to be offended, he can get you. I've seen people backslide for 30 years or more because the devil got them to be offended or, or uh, bitter about stuff. Or if things don't go your way and you didn't get the promotion you wanted or this didn't happen or that didn't want it or, or, or this group of believers treated you badly and attacked you and said bad things about you or whatever, people and, and get well, offended. Yeah. Jump in. And to some people might say, oh, you know, that's not, uh, that's not hard. That's not, you know, trouble. But, you know, to some people, that is the worst kind of trouble. Um, each individual person is different and we cannot judge other people's problems and uh, how they feel about them because we, we don't know what's in their hearts or their uh, emotions and something that might seem small and insignificant to one person might seem like a uh, impassable mountain to another so uh, right. it's just uh, we have to have that compassion and understanding also that there is you know it's going to the Lord said all who believe in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution right he didn't say how bad or if it was going to be easy or some might get away with just a, you know, a scratch on the back of their neck and some won't come out with any limbs. It's just you will suffer persecution one way or another or spiritual oppression. 
And um, as the kingdom of darkness continues on this earth, it's just going to get worse. And we have to prepare. And if we can't get through these moments, what are we going to do when it is completely all-encompassing and everything is evil and all you're trying to do is, is survive um, the people hunting you down for your faith? Yeah, and all, all, all that's true. And and what I found is that uh, when when the external pr- uh, pressures or problems increase, um, if we're open to it, the Lord will pour in uh, a deeper and stronger anointing and power and sense of His grace and Spirit. In other words. Um, when you don't need it, he doesn't always give it to you. But when the when the external pressures or persecutions increase, if you're open to it, the Lord will send you uh, an increased amount of power and grace in His Spirit uh, to 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 so that you can be victorious and uh, uh, keep you know living. I'm not saying it's easy, but but He'll send you more power. And so, like, where we are in the United States of America, I mean, let's be blunt. Right now in America and the world, but let's talk about America because this is where we live. All hell's breaking loose. We are in an all-out spiritual war. I mean, the masks are being taken off the faces. Uh, this economic thing is very dangerous. Um, so um, every every believer ha- has a choice. You know, you can give in to a spirit of fear. If you just meditate on what's on the various news channels, you're going to be filled with fear because there's no hope. There's no promises of God. There's no integration of the reality of God into, let's say, the terrorist crisis, the economic crisis, or whatever. So if God's people, if you make the choice now to uh, open yourself up to the power of the Holy Spirit, renew your mind with the Word of God, and sometimes, yeah, you're right, things get so bad you can't... You don't even have the emotional energy to make a big prayer. But guess what? If you simply say, help to Jesus, or if you, if you can manage to just say Jesus, not in a curse word, but just say Jesus every once in a while during the day, if you're just so emotionally like knocked out that that's the, all the energy you can muster is to say the name of Jesus, he'll honor that because you're, 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 you're connecting with him by saying Jesus or help. Or Jesus help, you know. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to give like you know three hour prayers. And then, when, when as God gives you the power, you 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 begin to take authority, even if you feel nothing. You take authority by faith, and you begin to call on the power of God. Um, you, you will find that He will invade your uh, nightmare conflict, or your conflict, or your persecution, or whatever, with His power and grace. Both in, your, in, in the personal areas of your life, with the personal problems, but also in the nation. So right now, you know, I'm, I'm taking this, uh, I call it a Passover tour with Paul McGuire into Israel. Well, in April, that people can go to. But what was the Passover? The Passover was when the Jews in Egypt put the blood of a sacrificial lamb on the doorposts of their houses so that when God sent his judgment into ancient Egypt and he killed the firstborn uh, of the Egyptians as punishment for keeping the people of God into captivity, any Jewish person that was faithful to God and put the blood of the sacrificial lamb on their doorposts and shut their door, 
then literally the angel of death would pass over their household and their children would live and it would strike down the Egyptians because they were trying to kill God's people. Now, that Passover lamb, and we're going to teach you about that more there, because you can do that through intercessory prayer, too, over a nation like Israel. You can do it over America, but you can do it over your own household. So that doesn't mean you necessarily have to get out, and I would advise that you don't do it. Uh, you, don't, you don't slaughter a lamb and put real blood in your doorpost. But you can appropriate the blood of Jesus Christ in prayer and place the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of your home or the portal of your life. Because what is a portal? It's an interdimensional door. And you appropriate the blood of the Lamb by faith over you, your household, your loved ones, and even your community, your state, and your nation. And by doing so, this is a form of spiritual warfare, by appropriating the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, on the doorposts or portals of your life, you block and prevent the entrance of demonic entities from killing and destroying. But you do it by faith first. And when you do it by faith, you seal up the entrance point of uh, demonic powers and you drive them out. And as you do that, then the Holy Spirit dwells in your house, your life, and you invite the, the entrance of the Holy Spirit into your nation. If you'll do that, even when you feel emotional resistance, even if you feel nothing, even if your mind says this is nuts, you do it by faith, you will invite the presence and the power of God and the angels of God to protect and to wage war against the evil one on your behalf because you've prayed, and you will see a driving out and a dislodging of the powers of darkness. There are, you know, We don't understand why everything happens. Only God does. Okay, so I can't I can't tell you why sometimes we pray and people die and stuff like that. I can't tell you that. All I know is God said, "Pray for the sick and they shall recover." Now I've prayed for people who are sick and uh, they didn't recover; they died. Well, I don't consider that a failure on my part. I did what I was told to do. God, it's God's decision. He's the healer, not me. So I just I just carry out my orders. So when we're facing the, the spiritual battle in America right now, which is really massive, every believer in Jesus Christ, and that would include all believers in Jesus Christ listening to your program, they're confronted with a choice. If you're just going to sit back and watch on the news media the, 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 the death angel, uh, like in Egypt, come in and destroy the economy, destroy the government, destroy the society, destroy the military, destroy the Constitution. If you're just going to sit back passively and watch that happen <clears throat> without uh, responding uh, with spiritual authority, the enemy is going to have free reign to uh, rape, kill, and destroy our nation because there's no opposing spiritual force. But if you will take up uh, your uh, place on, on, on the wall of God and you will uh, appropriate the blood of Jesus over the nation, over your life, over these problem areas in our nation and if you will call upon the power of God and ask for his angels to come in and ask for his power to rescue us what you're doing is you're changing the, the 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 balance of power spiritually. You're you're changing the spiritual atmosphere 
you're changing you're changing the, the the direction of the warfare and now now by legal law in heaven and I want to emphasize by legal law in heaven Lucifer and the forces of Lucifer which means his fallen angels and demons are legally restricted from carrying out their destructive assignments if and only if God's people overrule the assignments of Lucifer to the fallen angels. Only if God's people go into the throne room of God and overrule those demonic assignments can we see a stopping or cessation of that destruction. If God's people uh, stay in a, p- a position of neutrality or passivity where they just watch it happen on television, then all hell's going to break loose and it will escalate and the nation will go down. But if every, this is what revival and a great awakening is about, because when, when, see, there's people listening and they're in two spiritual uh, uh, places who are listening. There are people who are listening and um, the, the Spirit of God in them is resonating in agreement with what I say because the Holy Spirit in them is alive and well and they're spiritually awake and they feel exhorted, not by me, but by the Spirit of God, to, to man the, the posts that they're supposed to man. But there's other people who, it's like my words are like a ping-pong ball uh, bouncing off a cement wall. They're hard in their hearts, not towards me, but they're hard towards God. They're, they're, they're temporarily in a, a, a spiritual condition of deadness or asleep. So what happens is the Spirit of God visits, visits each heart, each person, each home. And, you know, again, those words from Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation, Behold, I, store, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear or woman hears them and opens the door and sups with me or has fellowship or invites me in, uh, God is able to move. So Jesus right now is knocking on the door of people's hearts. Some people are open, they're childlike, and they're inviting Christ in, and they're going to participate in the uh, uh, spiritual warfare assignment that God is giving right now. Others, my words sound like a ping-pong ball bouncing against a cement wall. They're spiritually asleep or spiritually hardened. The reason we need a great awakening and a revival is that a great awakening is when there's a vast ramping up or acceleration of the power of God that hits those who fit into the category of the ping-pong ball against the cement. When, when the power of God is revved up, the, the voice of the Lord will shatter the cement wall of their hearts. The Spirit of God will penetrate their biases and delusion, and they will be quickened by the Holy Spirit and made alive in the Spirit, and that's a supernatural act. But it only takes a remnant. I mean, some believers will never wake up. Uh, it only takes a remnant to obey God and, and, and respond to him. Now, if that remnant will obey God and respond to him, we can release the power of God into our nation. The conflicts are going to be intense. The spiritual battles are going to rage with incredible intensity. But we will see a counter-invasion of America uh, against the demonic forces, against the architecture of evil, by the angelic armies and the power of God. And we will see the, the powers of darkness pushed to whatever degree God deems into a position of tr- retreat, and we will see an expansion of the territory that God has claimed. But the, but, but the outcome of the warfare and the, and the degree of victory 
um, is determined by God, but unless God's people obey, nothing can happen. So we could talk about any of 20 major national crises going on right now, or uh, uh, major geopolitical crises going on right now, or crises in our government or economy or whatever. If God's people just sit there in a stupor, asleep, and watch it on television, or they just emotionally get aroused in front of the TV or the radio, and they just emotionally get excited by the talk show host or whatever, uh, that will produce nothing. There will be no measurable outward effect. If they take their position based on the call of the Holy Spirit to engage in spiritual warfare and actually begin to pray and appropriate the power of God according to the laws of God and the promises of God, we can see a driving back of the powers of darkness. We can see revival breakout. We can see a great awakening uh, breakout to whatever extent God deems. And that's the way God wants it, because in the last days, however long the last days last, as long as God's people are here on earth and in the game, there's supposed to be a conflict between the forces of evil and the forces of good, a spiritual, legal, law-abiding conflict. But, but if there's no conflict, it means the people of God are AWOL and dead. So all it takes is a remnant church, anyone listening who will respond to the Spirit of God. We get into the game. Now, I just want to quickly connect what I just said with the question you asked about the persecution and about the spiritual battles that people face. There is an overarching principle, and that is, even if you don't feel like it, if you stay in the game, if you, if, if you respond to God's call to enter spiritual battle, even if that just means praying, if you respond to the call of God and uh, obey him, and invite and put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and the portals, you will inevitably find a spiritual principle at work. And this is the principle, that those people that are occupying until Jesus comes, those people that are busy doing the business of Jesus Christ or the Father, God supernaturally has a habitual habit of watching their back, sending uh, much more resources into their spiritual battle, sending support troops in terms of angelic armies and support troops in, in terms of grace and power. And those people that are do, being faithful about God's business will find that the length of their spiritual battles will be shortened and the the sweetness of their victories will be heightened. So... If people, you know, people are trying to do all kinds of things to get the favor and the power of God, if they will be busy about their father's business, they will find that the grace of God doesn't get rid of their trials, but but at, there's a softening to the trials if they're busy about their father's business. Amen, Paul. And uh, you know, the spiritual battles, uh, as, as you just pointed out, can be uh, knocked down, drag them out. Yeah, you know, heavyweight fights to where you really afterwards have not even enough strength to to comprehend right. anything. Right. But, um, like the what happened in uh, Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar uh, commanded all people to worship his image of um, gold that he set up, uh, and then said that, that those who didn't would be cast into the fire, and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
uh, told Nebuchadnezzar when he asked them that he did not, or they did not, and would not bow down, and that they might throw them in the fire, and God will save them and deliver them. But even if He doesn't, I mean, right. they, they have that authority. And then that um, they're standing in the in the highways and byways, as you were talking about, uh, filling the gap as the rest of the world was bowing to the statue. And, right. and these men had, you know, uh, told the king and all the powers that the king had at his disposal, uh, there's nothing you can do to us. Our Lord will protect us. And if we don't come out of this, he will, I mean, we will be fine because he will take care of us no matter what. And they had right. the, that faith that it did not matter what was threatened to uh, them and we I don't know if we're as a as a whole body of Christians ready for that but these spiritual battles that do happen and if you get through them and you're still alive just like um, uh, any other tough thing that people do in life what doesn't kill you makes you stronger right he is refining this his, his church to be ready for those battles and he doesn't give us more than we can handle so each spiritual battle that you go through and stand faithfully um, that is obedience and we are being prepared for endurance right and we have to look at this not as why me instead thank you Lord for uh, re refining me and giving me the strength and understanding to, to continue right and and the important thing to remember that people need to remember <clears throat> is that the reason they're alive now, the reason they're here on earth now, the reason that the church is here on earth now is because God has a destiny for everybody to fulfill and God has a plan and a purpose for everybody to fulfill. If God just wanted us to be on autopilot and watch everything happen, um, he wouldn't need us here. He, he has us here by his plan because he has a purpose and an assignment uh, for each one of us to fulfill. I mean, the, the body of Christ on earth right now is here for a reason, and one of the reasons is to preach the gospel and to restrain the powers of, of darkness. Um, the other thing is, as we look at 2016, <clears throat> people would make a big mistake if they look at, at 2016, simply assessed all the secular analysis of what could potentially happen, and then they just move into it on their own human strength and wisdom, like they were standing on a conveyor belt and there's nothing they can do about it. No. God has opened the time portal of the year 2016 so that those people that are His, those people that have the Holy Spirit, we're not just supposed to be standing on a conveyor belt as God moves us through 2016. And I really pray the Holy Spirit would explode a massive revelation and blow out the spirit of deception and right literally right now as I'm talking that the Holy Spirit would detonate with the dunamis power of God that he would just blow off the spiritual deception the spiritual fog the spiritual malaise that that is lingering over the minds and eyes of God's people as they've entered 2016 it's my prayer that as I say what I'm about to say that the spirit of God through the dunamis literally detonates and blows out the, the, the spiritual fog and lethargy and fatalism. The Lord has called us for such a time as this. 
He called us before the foundation of the world to be here for such a time as this. Right now, that time is the year 2016. And we are responsible before God, because he's King of kings and Lord of lords, to obey our assignments as good soldiers in Jesus Christ. And that means we obey him, because he is our commander, whether we like it or not and feel it or not. And one or two of the commandments that God has given us that apply to 2016 is we're to preach the gospel and win people to Christ in season and out of season. Number two, we're to pray, because God's Word says we're to pray always about all things, all things. And then number three is we're to occupy until he comes. So we're to occupy all that goes on in 2016, along with the other commandments, until he comes. How do we uh, activate this occupation? Well, we can't in and of our own strength. We occupy until he comes by calling upon the power of God. Each one of us, we go into the throne room, we call upon the power of God, and if we are faithful to do those things, then 2016 is not um, a matter of Christians standing on a conveyor belt watching uh, the horror show, but it's a matter of Christians boldly, anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, moving into 2016, exercising the keys of the kingdom, establishing the dominion of Jesus Christ by faith over the year 2016, occupying until he comes, and that means the spiritual occupation of the spiritual atmosphere of America, our lives, our families, and everything else. If we will do that, and and not just uh, make the determination based on our physical senses, if we'll obey God by faith, I promise you that God, according to his word, will send his power, his deliverance, his angelic armies. If we will do what we're commanded to do, like Joshua did, he sent the worship team before Jericho, which was a stronghold, and they worshiped God before the stronghold of Jericho. If God's people will worship him before the strongholds, the strongholds will collapse to one degree or another, and we will see victory, and we will see to whatever degree revival and awakening, and we will see the enemy driven back to whatever degree God chooses. But that level of high intensity, people are all upset about drones. Forget drones. <laughs> we have the power of God in the angelic armies. If we would go into the heavenlies, which is the throne room of God by faith, we can call down the power of God, and we can... Christianity is not fatalism. We change the outcome to whatever degree God allows us to in 2016. But if we aren't going to do that, we're AWOL, for the, we're AWOL from the spiritual battle. A soldier that deserts his commander in a time of battle is AWOL. He's absent without leave and he's usually court-martialed, imprisoned, or killed. So Christians who choose to be AWOL, they're going to experience trials, pressures, and temptations. But guess what? There's going to be no backup for them, because God's going to chastise them. They're not in sync with God. They're in rebellion from God. But those soldiers, that's every true believer in Jesus Christ, male and female, who occupy until he comes and are obeying God, who are in, in sync with God, get the privilege of receiving the anointing, the power, the wisdom, the grace, and the protection of Almighty God. And it's in that place you can experience supernatural joy and victory, despite the outward circumstances.
Amen. Uh, we have reached the end of the show. Uh, as always, very insightful, very timely, and purposeful information. Uh, and it's been, a, a, as always, a pleasure talking with you. It's just like sitting at a restaurant and uh, or talking to you on the phone on a on an off the air. Um, just a, a very relaxed but very focused uh, show dealing specifically with the uh, spiritual element in the world and the spiritual element in the church and uh, where do we go from here and folks if you joined us late and you want to uh, hear what uh, Mr. McGuire's uh, thoughts and insight is on a whole host of issues dealing with the spiritual warfare we face as, as Christians, as believers in, in the time we live uh, go back and listen to it. Check out his website, Um If you can, get a copy of his books from A Prophecy of the Future of America to his latest, The Babylon Code. Um, these are great books, and, and uh, I give them to my mom to read, and she doesn't like to read things, uh, books like this. She likes the, uh, you know, crime novels and whatnot, and uh, she loves it. And I haven't met somebody who said they didn't like it or... Uh, gain something from it um, we want to thank you again Paul and uh, we will be uh, joined together and in Dallas coming up so fast March 18th through the 20th at the Hear the Watchmen right. event um, so we look forward to seeing you there I'm sure we'll talk again on, on, on air before uh, that conference does happen but uh, thank you from uh, my dad myself and everybody here at the Hagman and Hagman family uh, for your time and God bless you. Have a good All right. Night. God bless you, Joe. And uh, say hi to your father and the family members. God bless you, brother. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Anytime. Folks, tomorrow we'll be back 7 p.m. Have a good night. This is the Global Star Radio Network.